And now, introducing the man who qualified for the Olympic curling team by mistake. When asked how it happened, he said, well, my local gym closed, so I was looking for a way to torch my buys and thighs and saw curling and thought, why the hell not? When I arrived, they were brushing ice and sliding tea kettles, and I thought, ha, this is way better. He's still looking for ways to sculpt his guns. He is Glenn Clark. Good morning. It is Glenn Clark Radio. I am Glenn Clark. He is Paul Valley. We are here on a Monday edition of the program. I hope you had a lovely weekend. I had an eventful weekend myself. Um, I celebrated my uh, seven-year-old now. I celebrated his birthday. And... Uh, then woke up yesterday, and uh, it was my week to be down at the uh, Helping Up Mission, and that was lovely. Uh, right up until um, I got home, and my wife said, the boy had the sniffles, so I decided to give him a home COVID test, and he tested positive. And I said, well, that's not great, but let's go ahead and... Both of my sons tested positive. My wife and I are fine. Multiple tests, we're good. A little bit awkward trying to isolate a seven-year-old and four-year-old boy from the two of us. Oh, man. So we've essentially kind of just decided to sacrifice my wife. <laughs> like, which is, she can't go to work anyway. Like, their rules are if somebody in your house tests positive, you're not allowed to come into work, even if you test negative. So we kind of just made the decision, like, well, whatever happens to you happens to you. So it's but awkward. It's very awkward. So like at the house, I've got like the rubber gloves on and I'm wearing a mask and I'm doing the whole bit because like I don't want them to think I hate them. <laughs> like I don't, my poor four-year-old yesterday at one point started sobbing uncontrollably because he thought I was mad at him for getting COVID. I'm like, dude. Kids are so funny. <laughs> chill. Man. Like, like you're fine. I love you. We just got to be careful. That's all. We just got to be careful, man. But I'm good. I... Uh, appreciate all the folks at the urgent care up by me who were wonderful as we literally paraded in the entire family to uh, to get uh, tested. So uh, and appreciated my wife's work for sending home some home tests so that we could start the process that way. And uh, all's good. All's good. I'm fine, and the boy the boys are fine. They're fine too. It's um, the reality of uh, the world we're living in these days. Unfortunately, it's uh, it's basically the point where everybody's going to get it, and um, you know, remarkably, I have not, even though the, my, my two sons have it. I have remarkably not gotten it. I'm uh, very fortunate in that way. But uh, very eventful, very eventful Sunday in the Clark household. Very, very eventful. Here's what's coming up on the program today. In just a couple of minutes, we're heading to Cincinnati. Rocky Boyman, our buddy from WLW, former NFL linebacker, is going to check in. We'll preview the Cincinnati side of the Super Bowl this weekend. Later on in the show, Brendan Quinn National College basketball writer for The Athletic. He wrote a lengthy piece recently about Maryland basketball's coaching search. We will discuss that with him and where they are as a program in trying to find a basketball coach. There is this thought that, like, Rick Patino maybe comes off the list because Iona's, like, working on a, a lifetime contract for him. I'm not really sure what that means. I've never particularly thought that Rick Pitino was somebody that they Maryland should have been involved with anyway, so that doesn't do a lot for me. Um, there is there's been some bluster that like Ed Cooley behind the scenes is very happy at Providence. I've read that in a couple of places that he's not looking to go anywhere, that he's happy to stay. That's where he wants to be. He's at his alma mater. That's the job that he wants. 
That would be a bit of a bummer because I think Ed Cooley would be a very qualified candidate and someone who would be a good hire for the University of Maryland, but we'll see. Money also talks there sometimes, so we'll see uh, what the story ends up being with Ed Cooley. We'll talk more about the situation with Brendan Quinn later on in the program. Also, it's Monday, so our weekly chat with Jeremy Kahn from 105.7 The Fan is on tap as well. All of that coming up on the show this morning. Today's show brought to you by the CIAA Tournament. After going virtual in 2021, the CIAA Men's and Women's Basketball Tournament is headed to Charm City February 22nd to 26th. Baltimore is the first new location for the event since 2005, and we're thrilled to welcome thousands of fans, alumni, and players from our great historically black colleges and universities for a weekend of reunions, basketball, and celebrating our culture. The CIAA is not only sports-focused, but community-focused, along with the games. The week-long event includes a multitude of meaningful, off-the-court educational programming for the community and student-athletes planned around topics like wellness, mental health, women in sports, etc. CIAA is an event that has become a celebration of family culture and accomplishments that uplift and strengthen the African-American community. Again, looking forward to the CIAA tournament, which will be in Baltimore at Royal Farms Arena, February 22nd to 26th. Let's, uh, let's start looking ahead. The Super Bowl is Sunday. The Cincinnati Bengals and the L.A. Rams out in Los Angeles. We are not spending the week in L.A. I'll talk more about that uh, later on in the program. But let's uh, talk to a man who, of course, knows a thing or two about the Bengals. He is our friend, former NFL linebacker and WLW Cincinnati host, Rocky Boyman, and he's with us now here on GCR. Rocky, what's going on, man? How are you? Glenn, how are we doing, buddy? Oh. If I had told you, I think the last time you and I Shoo. talked, I want to say it was maybe early October, and the Bengals were getting ready to play the Ravens for the first time. And had I told you, A, that the Bengals would beat the Ravens twice, right. and then B, the Bengals would be in the Super Bowl, would you have believed me? I, I don't, would, you, would you have believed yourself, I think is the I real question. This really is remarkable, Raggy. Like, I, I can only imagine what your shows are going to look like this week because this is unprecedented times uh, in the modern era of the Cincinnati Bengals. I, I, I get, you know, the dumb guy question is, how did this happen so quickly, right? How did... All of this fall in line. It's one thing to be good. It's one thing to know you have pieces. How did all of this come together so quickly that they were able to make this run in the playoffs? Well, I mean, look, I mean, football, a football team like any organization, there's there's different levels of, of major decisions that you have to get right, right? And in football, you have to get the draft right. You have to get free agency right, and you have to get the coach and leadership right. And for a team, the Cincinnati Bengals, that perennially, for decades, Glenn, usually got all of those wrong, okay, somehow managed to get all three of them right, all came together uh, this season. I mean, you look at free agency, uh, you know, you look back in years past, remember a while back there was an Antonio Bryant signing that was a, a big money sign that turned out to be nothing. Mm-hmm. Bengals traditionally don't do much um, in terms of free agent signs. This year, absolutely nailed it. Trey Hendrickson comes aboard, gets 13 and a half or 14 sacks, whatever it was. Um, Eli Apple has turned out to be a great addition. Von Bell came a couple years ago. Um, uh, Larry Ogan, you know, just, I mean, the all free agency, the Bengals absolutely nailed it. The draft, of course, last year, getting Joe Burrow. Okay, that was a major one. Then this year, getting Jamar Chase, 
I remember, I don't know if I was talking to you, but the the, the storyline at the beginning of this season as camp was opening up was, we have a number five overall pick who can't catch. Right. Right. He, right. If you remember the stories, he was dropping everything in camp. Preseason games, he was dropping everything. Oh, I, I haven't forgot, forgiven our, fan, our resident fantasy football guy. who was like, I'm staying away from Jamar Chase. He can't catch. <laughs> I haven't forgiven him yet because of that. Yeah, well, I, I of course, uh, said everyone was wrong, right? Of course, right? Yeah, I, I said, don't be worried. Um, so, you know, so th- that, you know, obviously now Jamar Chase is rookie of the year. He's, he's, he's unbelievable. And then I, I think you got a coach in Zach Taylor. I, I hesitate to give him – too much praise yet because look what makes great teams great players but i will say this about him in his entire tenure here from going 625 and one in his first season to now this season or his first two seasons now to this season i always got the impression that the locker room was behind him right they, they were picking up what he was putting down they were they whatever goals whatever strategy they were putting out they were behind him I feel like I would have heard something, Glenn, had that not been the case. Sure. Um, so say what you want about Zach Taylor. I think he's done a good job of just being a leader on this team. So everything has kind of come together in one. Joe Burrow, often he surgery has been phenomenal. He, he's the big reason, right? At the end of the day, that, that's the big reason is we have a generational talent quarterback now here in Cincinnati, and um, all those things come together, Glenn, as well. The Bengals are in the Super Bowl. Yeah, we're, we're quite nervous about the next uh, decade or so having to go up against those guys, <laughs> Rocky. Um, Rocky, I think the thing that jumps out at me most about this run in particular is the defense, right? For as much attention as Joe Burrow is yeah. getting and, and Jamar Chase, and I get it, right? Those guys jump off the page at you. But now twice to have held the Chiefs in check for entire halves um, when they needed to in order to win football games – where did this come from that the Bengals defense was ready to step up and meet the moment and make a run to a Super Bowl? Yeah, I, I don't think it's it's a lot of guys that, you know, they're not um you know, gonna be like, you know, superstars, you know, it's not filled with uh guys like the Rams, of course, you have Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey and all that, but you got a lot of good players. I, I think they they certainly play well together as a team. You got guys that, that do their role well. You know, Sam Hubbard, for one, he is a defensive tackle, but he plays some defensive end. He, he, he did a magnificent job playing a spy position against Patrick Mahomes. Mm-hmm. So he's a, a, a hybrid kind of weapon they really use. Von Bell's been great in that. Um, you know, obviously Trey Hendrickson with the sacks. You get DJ Reader did an excellent job stopping the run against, um, you know, Travis Henry and the Titans. So, it's like everybody's kind of just filled in and done their job. You know, maybe they lack a little bit of star power, but whatever. I think on top of that, whatever the offense does well, I think they do a good job of taking that away. I mean, that's always the number one thing a defense has to do. When you look at the team, who are we playing this week, Coach? Well, we're playing this team, and what do they do best? you got to take away what they do best, and I think that the Bengals have done a great job of that, especially in the playoffs. He is Rocky Boyman. He is with us here on Glenn Clark Radio. We're previewing the Bengals side of the Super Bowl on Sunday. Rocky, you know, there was so much concern after the first two playoff games about the offensive line. I know there's been concern the entire time, right, but particularly after the Titans game about the offensive line and whether or not it could hold up. I I, got to assume, as we try to figure out if the Bengals can win this game on Sunday – that has to be the biggest story, right? Is 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 can they prevent Aaron Donald and and Von Miller from wrecking this football game and not really giving Joe Burrow a chance? It, it's the number one thing. It's the most important thing. But you could say it's been the most important thing 
really every game of the season. I mean, this line, I think, is is good. Are, are they great? Are they as good as a lot of Cincinnati fans would wish for? Absolutely not. You know, you saw in the nine sacks against the Tennessee Titans, the, 30, the 13 quarterback hits. Uh, last week against the Chiefs, they were better. Uh, I think some of that fell on Burrow, too. He did a better job of, especially early on, getting the ball out of his hands a little bit and, and kind of discouraging that rush. But, no, this is a different animal. I mean, if you watch the Rams, what they do, they, they like to bring five a lot. So they have one, two, three, four, five defensive guys on your one, two, three, four, five offensive linemen, and they find the weak link, which in this case is the Bengals' right guard, and they line Aaron Donald up over the weak link and say, you beat him one-on-one, and we like our chances there. So that's what this game is going to come down to, pure and simple. The last uh, game um, against the um, against the Chiefs, the Bengals rotated their right guard, uh, Jackson Carmen and um, – and uh, oh God, I can't think of his name. Uh, they, they rotated those guys back and forth, so not an ideal situation. So they're going to find that weak link on the line. They're going to put Aaron Donald over him, and then say, "Go get him." And then all the way, yeah, you still have to worry about Von Miller and Floyd and all those other guys. Right? Yeah, that's all. That's all. Nothing other than that, right? Yeah, no deal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that's all. That's nothing else. What What else to you are the biggest storylines in terms of? If the if the roadmap to the Bengals winning the Super Bowl for the first time, it has to involve what, Rocky? Um, I don't know if it has to be anything different than it's been. It's gonna take Joe Burrow being fantastic as he's been. I mean I mean, my God, and that I don't think the offense was great against the Chiefs, but I mean he picked up four first downs with his legs. One was a a, a third and seven, the other was another third and long. I mean, Chris Jones had him sacked twice. It was it was the damnest thing you ever seen. It, you know, he finally found a way to get out of it. His escapability, he's, he's, he's like sneaky escapability, right? Like, obviously he doesn't look or play or have the athleticism of Lamar Jackson, but he's got a way of kind of feeling pressure in the pocket. He's, you know, for not being as big as Big Ben, he has a pretty good knack for just allowing you know, defenders are shrug off him. So he, he's got to be huge in this game. Bengals offensive line has got to be give him a little bit of time because they got to score points. So the offensive line has to play their best game, I think, is the answer to your question. Yeah. Andrew Burrow it just has to continue to be great. What has this meant in Cincinnati, Rocky? Can you describe what, you know, for, for a, a city that has been through, you know, we, we've, we, as you know, we've, they've been, a, you've been a punchline, right? Like, oh, for, for so long in football. <laughs> what has this meant? To that community, to that city, what does it look like over the course of the last couple of weeks? Yeah, Glenn, it, it's been fantastic. It's been 33 years since the Bengals were in, a, you know, in the Super Bowl, and so and there was a lot of like not not just I mean, it'd be one thing if there were some average seasons in there, but there were some terrible yeah. seasons in there. And yeah. then there was the eight consecutive playoff losses over the last decade when they did finally find a way to get in. So, yeah, this is a long-suffering sports town. And because of that, I, I think uh, a lot of folks, you know, hung in there and, you know, through the, the tough times and all that. And now they're just absolutely going bonkers right now. I mean, everywhere, you know, orange and black everywhere, who day chance, you, you know, you put your, your car into the gas station, you look across the thing and you see somebody in a, in a Bengals jersey and, you know, you shout out a who day, you know, it's cool. <laughs> it's, it's, it's kind of cool to, 
to see everybody do that. And, um, you know, I just couldn't say more about how excited these fans we, are. We've experienced those feelings. It is really, really special, man. It is just a special yeah. time to be a part of it. And then let, let me wrap with this, Rocky, if I could. There, There is still, I, and I, I bet there's a few in Cincinnati, right? But I brought up a, a second ago that we're nervous in Baltimore about what this could be like for the next five to ten years. But you'll still hear from every, you know, every couple of people will be like, hey, this is still the Bengals we're talking about, right? And this is right. still an organization that – admittedly uh, is capable of figuring out a way to screw this up somehow, right? Like, that. There's mm-hmm. that's just sort of the reputation that exists of the Cincinnati Bengals franchise. Is there is there reason to believe that this is different, that just the presence of Joe Burrow alone is enough to overcome whatever, you know, functionality issues exist within a franchise, something like that, that this is something that really can extend for the next five to ten years and the Bengals can continue to be a threat in the AFC North and to reach Super Bowls? I, I think so for a couple reasons. Number one, obviously Joe Burrow, but let's put him aside for a second. In, in the last few years, you know, Mike Brown, who is, who is forever known as the, the stingy owner, has opened up his pocketbook a little bit, right? And he spent the money on the free agent. And it's funny because, you know, you still get all cheap Mike Brown. And it's like, well, you haven't been paying attention in the last, like, three, four, five years because he's done it. Now, you know, did, did the Bengals maybe miss on some of those guys? Yes, but now they, they haven't. So he's done a good job of, I think, kind of, you know, progressing a little bit and knowing that you got to pay for talent and all that sort of thing. So that's number one. The other thing is, Yes, because of Joe Burrow, not, not just the player he is, but I think the, the leader he is. Um, I, I always, you know, Andy Dalton was a great quarterback here for, what, about eight, ten years. But but he, I always got the feeling, I think a lot of fans got the feeling, he just didn't have that, like, I want to rip your heart out kind of mm. thing to him. That you've got to have him a quarterback. That Peyton Manning had, you know, that Steve McNair had that I played with, you know, that, and now that I think Joe Burrow has, the players just gravitate to that. And then the other thing is, now all of a sudden, a, a town that has been hard to get free agents to want to sign here, I think that's gonna that's gonna be on the upswing big time because folks are you know players are like, I want to play with that Joe Burrow guy, right? Especially if you're a wide receiver right now, like yeah, hey, I would I have to play with him for the next five or six or eight years, right? So in the past, for none of a lot of those conversations were happening. I, I think they are now. All right, he is Rocky Boyman. He is our buddy out in Cincinnati. At Rocky Boyman 50 on Twitter is how you follow him. He's got a great book if you haven't picked it up, Rocky's Rules. It's available as well. Rocky, I, like I say, I'm, I'm happy for you and I'm happy for the city, but like it's measured, and I'm sure you understand that, right? Like, <laughs> totally get it. I, I'm, totally I'm, get I'm it. happy for now, and then when we get the next season, not happy whatsoever and not wanting to deal with it. But uh, enjoy it, man. I, I, I know how special it is. It, it's truly an incredible time to be in this business, and, and you know more, more than anyone as a football player how cool it is. Rocky, thank you for taking the time for us this morning, Absolutely, man. Absolutely, Anytime, buddy. Thank you. Be well. You too. Rocky Boyman checking in with us out in Cincinnati. Really appreciate him doing that. And look, you know, I, there is that small part of me that still says that this is this is the Bengals, but we've been saying that all season long. Like, we keep thinking that at some point they're going to be the Bengals, and they haven't been. The The question now is the long-term aspect of it. As a franchise, are you at a place as a franchise where you can sustain success, where this is, isn't just sort of a, an anomaly because you have a remarkable quarterback and – you know, clearly an all-world number one wide receiver, and you rode that as much as you could ride it, but then the organization gets in the way moving forward, and they screw it up. I don't know. I mean, good organizations screw things up, right? 
the Baltimore Ravens traded away Anquan Bolden after winning a Super Bowl. Good organizations F up. The Cincinnati Bengals have by no means have proven to be a good organization long term. Are they the type of the organ- of organization that will somehow end up screwing up what looks like to be something that's got them set up to be significant for a decade to come? they got to prove that. You know, that's the reality of what we know about the Bengals. We're not just going to assume that. we got to watch them prove that they're ready to be this type of franchise for five to ten years. They were competitive for five to ten years with Marvin Lewis, but just competitive. they got to prove they can be a top-notch franchise. Once upon a time, the New England Patriots were one of the biggest jokes in all of football, if not the biggest, frankly. I don't know if you guys watched the, uh, the Tuck Rule 30 for 30 last night. I'm going to watch it tonight. I watched it. Um, it was fine. You know, it was fine. It was, it was, if you care about that, you probably loved it, right? Like, if you care at all, those of us that don't care all that much, it was more like, okay, you know, it's interesting. Like, there were things that I didn't remember about that game, and I was like, wow, that is interesting, right? The, the, um, like, I didn't remember Eric Allen literally hearing the play call from Charlie Weiss before the Charles Woodson strip sack play. Like, I, I, I thought that was a fascinating wrinkle that because I don't care about these teams, it's not something that matters to me, I had forgotten all about. There are some interesting things um, during the course of the game. I think everybody just sort of liked the interaction between Tom Brady and Charles Woodson. That one, Some of that comes off so forced to me because Tom Brady does business with ESPN. He's literally a partner of ESPN. That like I don't really know if I'm getting Tom Brady or if I'm getting manufactured the Tom Brady industry is what I'm getting in those moments. But it was still a, a, a pleasant watch. And it reminds you, of course, that was the final game ever played in the old Foxborough Stadium. The Patriots were such a laughingstock, they were legitimately going to move to Hartford, Connecticut. Like, they were leaving Massachusetts. They had, they had a press conference and announced their move to Hartford, Connecticut. And the only reason it didn't happen is because the stadium ground, when they went to go like start breaking ground in the stadium in Connecticut, they realized that it was going to be more costly than they thought it was going to be to rip down this like power plant or something like that that existed where they were going to build the stadium. The Patriots were a laughing stock. Were, were maybe the most embarrassing franchise in all of football. Them and the Cardinals. And one player clearly changed that mm-hmm. in concert with a coach, of course. Changed it utterly, totally, completely. They went from the biggest laughing stock in football to the model franchise in football. Again, you can say what you want about some of the controversy that they experienced, but they won six Super Bowls. Winning is winning. Yeah. So it's, of course, possible that the Bengals could be, it, it can be done, that you can go from being a joke and one player can transform everything about your franchise. And I'm not telling you that Joe Burrow is Tom Brady, but I know one thing with certainty. Joe Burrow, at this point in his career, is way better than where Tom Brady was at this point in his career. Again, I'm not suggesting that that means that he's going to have Tom Brady's career, because that's nuts. They did. They do ask more of Burrow, I think, yeah, but even, than they did of Tom Brady of, back then. That's true, but like Tom Brady's skill set then wasn't what Joe yeah. Burrow's no, that's was. True. He that's didn't have the true. ability to throw. And, and you could argue... Tom Brady oddly became his best at throwing the ball downfield when he approached 40. Like, Mm -hmm. he didn't become a really good downfield thrower until he was about that. He was never a great thrower to the sidelines. He, Tom Brady, made a career throwing the ball in the middle of the field. By working his butt off. Joe Burrow already 
has skills that are better than Tom Brady ever had at throwing the football. That doesn't mean that Joe Burrow is going to have anything like, anything even sniffing, even a third of the career that Tom Brady has had. But from a skill set comparison, Joe Burrow is better today than Tom Brady was in his second year. Again, I'm only making that comparison because of the parallels between the Bengals and the Patriots' as franchises, not because I think Joe Burrow can be Tom Brady. The point being that one player can be transcendent enough to lift up an entire franchise. It can be done. Joe Burrow might be that guy. I, I look at the Bengals, and I think they're going to be very good for a long time because I think Joe Burrow is that guy. But you also have to look at the other factors that, 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 that factor into why they got where they are, and that's injuries to other teams in the, in the division, the fact that they were one of the healthiest teams yeah. in the entire league. It is very difficult there's, there's to no get doubt. back to a Super Bowl. There's no doubt that they had an amount of luck. I don't disagree with that. But they mm-hmm. also just beat the Chiefs like yeah. on the road twice. in the AFC Championship. I mean, they beat them twice this season. Yeah. That that's not because the Chiefs got a bunch of injuries. It's because they beat the Chiefs. Oh, they just to, they just manned up and beat and the Chiefs twice. That makes you the best team in the AFC. Period. Mm-hmm. Like there's no you got lucky. There's none of that. Like they beat the team. This is the Ric Flair to be the man. You got to beat the man. The Buffalo Bills are the team we all anointed, and they couldn't do it. The Bengals did it twice. Mm-hmm. They're the team. This is this is not a fluke. This is not a. You know, there's you did the thing that you have to do in order to prove that you're the best team. The Chiefs were the best team in the AFC, period, bar none. The Bengals beat them twice. And, That's and, it. And don't get me wrong. I'm not sitting here saying that the Bengals were lucky. I think the Bengals were, are very good, and I think that they got hot at the right time. All I'm saying is there's a lot of things that have to happen to get to well, a Super Bowl, and that's why it's, it's so difficult to repeat and get back. It's unquestionably very hard, but it's much easier when you've got a quarterback. Mm-hmm. It's much Again, as I've, I've, I've dealt with a billion times over the years, you don't have a quarterback, you don't have a chance. When you have a quarterback, you got a chance. The Bengals have a quarterback. Now, it also helps they have pretty good skill position players around him. There's no debate about that. But at the end of the day, they've got a quarterback. Period. Bar- and we might be needing to accept that he might be the number two guy behind Patrick Mahomes moving forward. That he's the second-best quarterback in football. It might be. We don't know that yet. There's still, right now, a debate to be had. Is it him? Is it Josh Allen? Is it, you know, Lamar's still in that category? Justin Herbert clearly is is worthy of discussion when it comes to that. we got to figure out who that is moving forward. And, of course, Aaron Rodgers was still that guy a little bit this season. Um, how long he'll be there, we don't know. But that's that's the reality. That's the That's what we're dealing with moving forward, and we'll see if they can continue to be that guy. Um, sure, we can go to the other side if he's available. That's fine. We can do that. All right. Um, well, we previewed one side of the Super Bowl, and we're going to preview the other side of the Super Bowl when we come back in. Today's show is uh, brought to you by Underdog Fantasy Football. If you're not playing Underdog, I have no idea what you're doing with your life. That is a massive mistake. Underdog Fantasy Football is so much fun. Uh, there's only one football game left, but even when football season's over, you can play basketball, you can play hockey, and if they ever get around to playing baseball, you'll be able to play that as well. You can't bet on your phone or your computer yet in the state of Maryland, but you can feel like you're betting when you're playing player props, parlays, and so much more with Underdog Fantasy Football. And they're matching your first deposit up to $100 when you use the code PRESSBOX. Download the Underdog Fantasy Football app or go to underdogfantasy.com to sign up. We'll head out to L.A. DeMarco Farr, part of the Rams broadcast crew. Let's preview the other side of Sunday's matchup. That's next, Glenn Clark Radio. That first sip. 
That first bite. Mmm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. The latest issue of Press Box is available now, and it's our very special annual Best of Issue on the cover. We celebrate Justin Tucker as our Mo Gabba Sports Person of the Year, honoring his historic on-field achievements, but also the unprecedented relationship he shared with Baltimore. Inside, we recognize the top people, performances, and moments of 2021, including Cedric Mullins' incredible season and the dominance of local Paralympic athletes. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Sports fans, the wait is over. The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is now open at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. This is your chance to win big right in your own backyard. Bet on every sport with self-service kiosks and watch all of the action from the best seat in the house. Make every moment more at the all-new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit mdgambling.com. Help.org. Window Depot Baltimore provides the highest quality Pro Via windows, doors, and siding for all budgets. The best is finally affordable. Call them today for a free in home consultation at 410 941 3499. They also offer Zoom and FaceTime consultations in an effort to practice social distancing. A proud sponsor of the Tyus Bowser Show, you can find out more at windowdepotbaltimore.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a wide range of models and trim lines. You can choose the perfect Toyota to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. If you miss anything, don't forget that you can find whole shows later on Spotify, Apple, or Amazon Podcasts. It's Glenn Clark Radio. All right, back in here on GCR. Glory Days Grill still has those comfort food classics available on their seasonal menu. The short rib grilled cheese, the smoky thigh wings with the Alabama barbecue sauce, the house-made meatloaf, the grilled meatloaf sandwich. It's all still available at your neighborhood Glory Days Grill. Find out more and get your order in by going to glorydaysgrill.com. Uh, made an error. That's okay. Uh, we're going to catch up with DeMarco Farr and preview the Rams a little bit later on in the show. That's That happens. All life goes on. We'll talk to him a bit later on this morning. Can't seem to wrap my brain around the East Coast, West Coast time difference. I don't know what that is. It doesn't me. seem like that should be that difficult. It, it's not. Like I can do it with baseball perfectly. When it comes no. to this show, it's like a it's like a brain block. Yeah, we had that we had that pop up last week. We had an issue. Yeah, there. I don't know what the deal is with All that. good. All good. We will um we will soldier on and we'll chat with DeMarco a little bit later on in the program. All right, so a couple things I did want to cover uh, during the course of the show this morning and I'll get to them here. Number one, I, you guys spent a lot of time bitching about the Pro Bowl yesterday. Like and nobody is arguing about the merit of whether or not the Pro Bowl is good football. It of course is not. Nobody's arguing about that. The problem is I'm one, it is a bit embarrassing to bitch about something that you clearly are watching. That's your choice. There's a, all sorts of ways to spend your Sunday afternoon. I, I was one of the few people that found myself 
with no option to do anything else because, you know, I had to keep my kids in the house because they tested positive for COVID. So, like, I couldn't just go out and, and go go hiking yesterday. But y'all can do whatever you want. Y'all can go out. You can take a walk. You can maybe go to the go see a movie. Paul and I went and see, saw Jackass on Friday. You could go do that if you'd like. You could. Uh, there's all sorts of options. No one in the world is forcing you to watch the Pro Bowl. But y'all are watching, so you can bitch about it. That's embarrassing. It's embarrassing to sit around and bitch about something that you're watching. You can just, it's like I used to tell people, you don't like what I'm talking about on my radio show? Change channel. You know what I never in my life once did? I never called the Oprah Winfrey program to say, I don't like the topic you're discussing today. Change it. I just changed the channel. I'll never in my life understand people who would call into my radio show or, or whoever's, Drew's, whoever it was, to say, this is boring, talk about something else. Just change the channel. It's cool. We'll be here. If you want to wander back in a little bit, wander back. If you don't like what we're talking about on this show, there's a billion podcasts available. I, YouTube is expansive. You can find anything you want there. Talk. You can go get whatever it is that you're looking for. Go do that. I'll never understand that thought process. But beyond that, the, it, the idea that the Pro Bowl needs to be fixed is comical. Because here's what the answer can never be. The answer can never be the football players try. That is the worst scenario that you could have for the Pro Bowl. Could you imagine... If yesterday they had the football players in that game really trying and Mark Andrews attempted to pick up a block from, I don't even know who the edge rushers were that were playing for the NFC team. TJ Watt. TJ Watt. No, he plays the NFC. Correct. I don't know who was playing for the NFC. Nick Bosa, did he play? I don't even know. But let's just say it's Nick Bosa. And Mark Andrews gets gets overwhelmed by Nick Bosa and messes up his ankle in the Pro Bowl and it impacts him into the deep portion of next season. Could you imagine? In no world should football players ever be trying in the Pro Bowl. It's insane. I don't care what Deion Sanders tweets and what all these guys tweet about what they used to do in their day. I'm sorry we got smarter. I know you think you're eternally going to be tougher than everyone that comes after you. You're not. These guys are just a little bit smarter because at some point we learned as a society, this is insane. We are risking injury for something that doesn't matter. It's like we got smarter about the preseason. We used to leave starters in preseason football games into the second half. It was nuts. It was bonkers. And we argue, well, you know, we want to get them as much experience as we possibly can. As if anything that happened. Did you just hear from Rocky Boyman? What did we think Jamar Chase was in the preseason? A guy who couldn't catch the football. Because it doesn't matter. Nothing that happens before the season begins matters. You just want it to matter because you're paying attention. 
All these people go out and watch training camp, and they want to believe what they're watching matters. You want to believe that it's relevant, and it's not. And the quicker you learn that, the better off you are. We can never, ever, ever again have guys try in a Pro Bowl. That is insane. That is the most bat-ass concept I could ever fathom. You don't want to watch it, don't watch it. But the answer can never be try. They should just make it flag football. I think the first argument we make it seven on seven. Mm-hmm. It essentially is a flag football. They just right. don't embarrass people by putting the stupid flag. That it's low rent to put the flags on guys. They it's it's a gentleman's agreement. Mm-hmm. When you're gonna be tackled, we just stop. We just stop the play because you're gonna be tackled, and it's a bad idea to have there be more tackles. That's fine. I didn't watch it. It's not for me. My son, by the way, was all in. My son was loving it. He was yelling upstairs, Mark Andrews caught a touchdown. I'm like, all right, kid, nobody cares. You know, like, <laughs> I'm trying to play along because it's a football game, and he loves football, and so he's happy to watch, and he's seven years old and doesn't know any better. He has no idea that this is terrible because he's seven. And yeah. by the way, that makes it okay by me. It's okay they play the Pro Bowl. Clearly, there were some people. Everybody's making fun of the attendance. This is where we lose perspective. It's insane that tens of thousands of people paid ticket prices to watch that. It is a testament to how amazing uh, the dominance of football is that tens of thousands of humans would pay American dollars to watch that. It's not embarrassing at all that the stands were half empty. It's remarkable that they were half full. It's insane that they were half full. It's incredible that there are that many people that are willing to watch that. That is unbelievable. That's one of the most remarkable things I've ever seen. It is proof of how dominant the NFL is that that many people would show up to watch that. It's nuts. And by the way, I'm sure the ratings will be through the roof. You bitch and piss and moan and complain about the Pro Bowl all day, all night, because I get it. There's nothing else going on. I I made a joke last night that we were at the point where there is nothing to watch in the Winter Olympics, and yet it's still the best thing to watch because there ain't nothing to watch right now. Unfortunately, the NBA and the NHL have not done a good job of making their regular season games matter. There weren't even NHL regular season games being played this weekend because they were on their all-star break. Um but no, like I think the big prime time, the big prime time NBA matchup this weekend was between two teams that were under 500, in the Lakers and the Knicks on Saturday night on ABC. The the AT- AT&T big pro am was yesterday. I watched a lot of golf yesterday. There you go. You you can watch your golf. You will that will not be a con- a sentence that I will ever. Um, I also got a good nap in during the golf, but I watched nothing. It's just not. This. You're never. I've I've tried a billion times. You're just. I, it's over. I I can't. I, you can't get me to care about golf. I did look at. I even looked at the NASCAR thing at the the football stadium because I was like, oh, this is different. You know, like I'll see what this looks like. I looked at it, and then after two laps, I said, okay, I've looked at it. I've seen a NASCAR race on a football stadium. I don't. I just don't. Again, it's the same same thing I feel about golf. It's just not for me. A lot of people can be into it. It's just not for me. It's not my thing. If there had been, if they had put the college lacrosse games on TV this weekend, I would have spent time. And I went to the Loyola game on Saturday night, uh, the basketball game, which is a bummer. They lost. To, they had, they had a shot to win at the end. They lost to Navy. Although you know, happy for Navy, obviously. Um, 
I even looked at a little bit of the Maryland game because there was so little going on yesterday. That was that was an ass kicking, but that's what it is. I mean, I don't know what I'm supposed to say here. I get it. There just wasn't much happening this weekend, so we didn't feel like there were alternatives. And this is what the next few weekends are going to look like until the NCAA tournament begins. That's the next, or at least the conference tournaments, really. People that care about Duke and North Carolina watch Duke Carolina on Saturday night, but unless you care about Duke or North Carolina, it doesn't interest you. Once upon a time, there, there was a time, and this is more a reflection on college basketball than it is on those two programs, but once upon a time, that was the type of game that everybody in the country cared about, whether or not they cared about Duke or North Carolina. It was just the, the brands were so significant. Unfortunately, college basketball, in large part because it's become more of a one-year player sport, the brands don't, they don't overwhelm in the same way. Just because that's Duke and North Carolina, you're not going to tune into the game. It has to be there are big names and players that you care about, and those teams have to be really good in order to be willing to watch it or interested in watching it in the same way. It, it of course, does nothing for me. I have zero interest in Duke, North Carolina, so I certainly did not tune in for that on Saturday night. I get it. It's a tough weekend. There wasn't much going on that compelled you or interested you, but hissing and moaning about the Pro Bowl, you're just doing for the sake of doing it. There is no world in which players in the Pro Bowl should be trying. Thank God everyone involved understands that. Thank Buddha, thank all of your God, thank anybody that you might, the flying spaghetti monster, whoever it is that you believe in, thank them for the fact that at some point we wised up and said no. No, we're not going to risk players getting hurt for this meaningless crap. We're not doing that. Hopefully we get rid of another preseason game next year. I would prefer if we got rid of all of them eternally. Remarkable how the season where we banged all the preseason games said we're not going to do that. Everything was just fine. We had a season, it was totally fine, it went off with no problems despite there being no preseason games. Let's do that forever. We have figured it out. This sport is too violent for us to be wasting reps in meaningless games. The Ravens lost half their roster in the real games. At least there was something to be competing for. Losing your players to something that's meaningless? Get the entire F out of here with that. The best possible thing that the Pro Bowl can do is not try. You want to make an argument that you turn it into a 7-on-7 game, you invite the, the offensive linemen, let them come wave, say, hey, we were Pro Bowlers too, and then take them off the field and just make it a 7-on-7 game? I'll listen to that argument. There's not really a problem with what they're doing. Either you want to watch or you don't. If you don't, don't. I solved your problem for you. What's your next brain buster? If you don't want to watch bad, non-competitive football, don't do it. Go watch something else. Put in The Godfather. I... I Netflix is still a thing. I haven't watched the Tinder Swindler yet. I could watch that. Billy Madison was on yesterday. Flip the channel, man. <laughs> Got a hundreds of channels. 
put something else on. But do not think for a second that the way to solve the problem is to have players risking getting hurt in the effing Pro Bowl. That's insane. I'm Glenn Clark, and I approve this message. Hour number one of today's show is also brought to you by Live Casino and Hotel. Oh, man, you know how much I love Live Casino and Hotel. It is such a cool place to hang out and watch the game. I think they're mostly – if message events at sportssocialmd.com. If you're still interested in being there this Sunday for the big game, message them. There is a chance. Sometimes they have people message them, and then they can't make it out for whatever reason. You can send them a message and see if they've still got spots. They might still have a spot or two available for you to reserve like a – a private table for the game, and just an unbelievable atmosphere to do your live betting in-game this Sunday night. The FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel is the best place to bet and watch live sports. Walk up and make your bet at any of our 24-7 betting kiosks. The 51 self-service betting kiosks are dispersed throughout the property. Or visit their personal betting windows to place a bet with a sportsbook representative, and you'll want to be there on Sunday. For the record, if you're there on Sunday and you haven't reserved a spot, you can still hang out. Like There's room in the bar for standing, and you can still go make your bets, and there's plenty of screens for watching the game. They just can't guarantee you seating. That's that's the difference. Like If you want to bring a group out, have a table, hang out, watch the game, get food, they can't guarantee you that unless you reserve your spot. But there is a lower bar. There's an upper bar. You can hang out there. There's, of course, table games that you can play all throughout the casino, and you can walk up. There's plenty of standing room. You can be there on Sunday. I just can't guarantee you seating unless you have made your reservation events at sportssocialmd.com. So that was that was one of the things I wanted to get to on this list. Next, I have a column coming today. I largely have covered this already. Um, I'm just doing it for the website because I think it's warranted. Um, I got a column coming today at PressBoxOnline.com, which is essentially my my reaction to um, Eric DaCosta, and it's my reaction to the fact that we somehow allowed this Hollywood Brown thing to become a debate, and it was it was badass insane. And I'm trying to be nice about it, but it was bat s insane. And I'm not critical. Uh, our, it was our buddy Bo Smolka who asked um, Eric DaCosta if the Ravens were going to be picking up the Hollywood Brown's fifth-year option. That's not. I'm not critical of Bo in, in any way. Even when something's a formality, you have to ask the question because you have to know, right? Like the Ravens have to make it public. Yes, we're doing that. Even if it's something that everyone is going to assume they're going to do or you know they're going to do, you still have to ask and get them on the record saying yes Because you have to write about it. You have to make your plans of what the roster is going to look like, what salary cap numbers are going to look like, knowing that they're going to do it, not just assuming it. So in no way is my critical of Bo Smolka. But I'm also not critical of Eric DaCosta, whose answer to the question was literally two words long. Do you anticipate picking up uh, Hollywood Brown's fifth-year option? I do. End of answer. Because there's nothing else to be said. We allowed this to become some sort of like talking point over the course of the last few weeks with think pieces being written on various websites around town. And it was, at, at, as I said, at best ponderous and, and really more preposterous. It was insane. You know how many wide receivers in the NFL right now have uh, contracts that are that average per year more than the $12.9 million that it would cost to pick up uh, Hollywood Brown's fifth-year option? I'm going to guess 31. No, not that many. Okay. 20. 20. 20. And the number will go up. Like, more guys are going to get deals. 
in the next, you know, I presume that a couple of the guys that were drafted behind uh, Hollywood Brown are set to get deals over the course of the next year or so. I'm going to guess that the Titans are going to try to get something done with A.J. Brown. I'm going to guess that the Seahawks are going to try to get something done with D.K. Metcalf. I'm going to guess the 49ers are going to try to get something done with Debo Samuel. And I'm going to guess that the, the, oh, the Commanders, my first opportunity to say that, will try to get something done with Terry McLaurin. There are other guys on that list that you can debate whether or not they're better than Hollywood Brown. You can debate Hunter Renfro versus Hollywood Brown. You can debate Deontay Johnson versus Hollywood Brown. There are other guys drafted in that class that are on par, and someone might argue better than Hollywood Brown, but it's not certain. The first three guys, there's no debate. DK Metcalf, A.J. Brown, Debo Samuel, they've separated themselves. Those are the top three receivers that were, that were drafted that year. Terry McLaurin's not far behind them. And Terry McLaurin is the one that you look at the most and say, boy, if he was somewhere else, he'd probably be absurdly special. And so in that way, I'm, I'm willing to give him a slight edge over Hollywood Brown in terms of ranking those guys. But as I've said a billion times, we've lost our mind. We've lost our ability to, to talk we, we live in the goat trash era. You're either the goat or you're trash. We've lost all ability for nuance, for, for adult discussion, for things along those lines. There is, of course, a Hollywood Brown debate to be had. We want to vent our frustration about the fact that Hollywood Brown isn't DK Metcalf. We want to vent our frustration about the fact that Hollywood Brown isn't AJ Brown. We want to vent our frustration about the fact that he isn't Debo Samuel. Of course, you know, it's pretty unique. Who is? And in doing so, we say stupid things like, well, I don't know if the Ravens should pick up Hollywood Brown's fifth-year option. Who benefits from the Ravens not picking up Hollywood Brown's fifth-year option? Who is that good for? Who's helped by that? It was preposterous that we were talking about that. As if it was debatable. Again, they have to go on the record and say they're doing it because that's the way this works. Like you, They have to tell you, they have to announce that they're doing something. But debating it, making it so there was a question about whether or not the Ravens were going to pick up Hollywood Brown's fifth-year option, that made us look stupid. There was no world in which the Ravens wouldn't be picking up Hollywood Brown's fifth-year option. Because Hollywood Brown isn't Rashad Perryman. I get it. We're frustrated because of who he isn't and because there are moments where he's made critical errors. we I understand that. I get the frustration with Hollywood Brown, and there is a debate to be had about his long-term future in Baltimore and what the franchise should do in regards to how much he could get on the open market versus how much they'd be willing to pay him for a long-term deal. That's not the debate we're having at the moment. The Ravens don't need to do that right now. They don't need to do that for a couple of years. And I, even the secondary part of the debate, which is the debate of whether or not you should trade him if you know you're not going to sign him, even that part of the conversation it isn't so obvious. Like it's, I could say, and I said a couple times, if you decide... He's going to price himself out of Baltimore because there's always going to be a team. There are so few legitimate wide receivers. Everybody's freaking out about Devontae Adams. Everybody's losing their mind. Devontae, you got to This is the best wide receiver that will ever hit the free agent market. As if the Packers 
would just allow Devontae Adams to hit the free agent market. As if the Packers wouldn't say, um, no. <laughs> uh, you're Devontae Adams. We're going to go ahead and slap that there tag on you. And uh, no. We, we, we just say things, man. Like, we just get all hot and bothered because we see a name on a list. We're like, Devontae Adams is a free agent. Like, no. I mean, is there some bizarro world where the Packers just decide we're ripping everything up and we're moving on from everyone? I, I guess it's possible. But why wouldn't they attempt to get something for Devontae Adams in that process? Like, why wouldn't they say, we're going to tag you, and if another team wants to trade for you, God bless him. But we're not just going to let you walk for the sake of letting you walk. You're a generational talent. Get the F out of here. That caliber of wide receiver so rarely hits the actual open market that there is a possibility that when Hollywood Brown gets to the open market, he's the best one that gets there and is, stands to make a lot of money because of it. And because of that, he might demand from the Ravens on a contract more than what he's really proven himself to be worth. And if that's the case and the Ravens decide we can't pay that, then maybe they should be trading him. But even that isn't that simple. Because it's still, you might be best suited saying, let's look at him for another year because we have the option of putting the tag on him. Let's watch him for another year, see if he can help us win a Super Bowl, or see if he takes another step towards being the type of player that would be worthy of spending that amount of money on. It's not a guarantee that that's the best thing for you to do is just to trade him. But there is no argument at all that the Ravens shouldn't have exercised his fifth-year option. That's insane. Like, I mean, it's just talking for the sake of talking. I get it. We're bored. It's been a long time since the Ravens played a football game, and free agency doesn't start for another few weeks. We just don't have a lot to discuss. I mean, the Ravens changed defensive coordinators, but I don't know. They kind of did it quickly. We're bored. We've already gotten all of our bitching about Greg Roman out. Now what do we do? Uh, they, they keep bitching about Greg no, I'll Roman. I'll do that forever, but they're, it's, they're, they're yelling into the void. Yeah. You know, like the decision's been made. So now what? What's the next thing? Uh, Holly Brown, fifth-year option. What? What? It was insane. It was just dumb, and it made us look stupid. Not me, personally. Not Paul, I don't think. Um, no, my, my East Coast, West Coast made me look stupid. Yeah, that's dumb. That's dumb. <laughs> uh, everybody's yelling. You'd be like, I, I saw that you were getting into fights with everybody at golf yesterday. I'm like, God, is this, is this how bored we are? Is this how bored we are that we're yelling about golf? Jesus Christ. You, you, I, I can't be critical of a player nah, if I, I it, without hating him, apparently. No, I, don't, I, this is the, I don't know if you're right or wrong, for what it's worth. I don't know, because this is not a topic for me, There's, and I will never have an opinion about it. There's no right or wrong. It's just opinion. I my, don't, I, it's my opinion. I, I, well, opinions can be... You can say this, that part is not... When people say, it's just an opinion, it can't be wrong. Well, no. If I say the, my opinion is that the, the, the earth is made of cheese, well, in my the, opinion can be wrong. Like, it, that's just something we say. The opinions can be wrong because they can be not based in fact. In this, in this instance, an opinion, the opinion that I put out, it can't be right or wrong. It's just how I feel. I mean, I, all right. Well, again, it's you, that's not true. You keep saying that. If somebody says, I feel the earth is made out of cheese, like, you, right, but you that's can't not, make something that's factually inaccurate be factual because it's your opinion. I feel like, that Jordan Spieth is an all-time choker, and 
that's not. I don't. I, I'm not I, saying it's a I, fact. I'm, it's how I feel I'm about just, it. I, I can't. This is not a topic that I can have any amount no, of conversation I in. I couldn't possibly care. I'm and just I, saying I, it. God for bless you. I'm not mad at you. I'm not mad at anybody else that's involved. I don't care. It's not for me. It's for somebody else. Because I am. I am not going to sit here and, and pretend like I am some sort of expert on the subject. I am most certainly not. Nor am I going to attempt to become one. If that's what you're the content you're looking for, you're probably looking somewhere else. Um, I, just my guess. Somebody imagine emailing me today. What about Jordan Spieth as a choker? <laughs> yeah. Like what the F am I gonna say about it? Who sure? Who knows? Cool. What the heck? Who cares? Who cares? A lot of people. I thought <laughs> I'm not even kidding. I I saw everybody sharing this video of uh, Harold Varner the third hitting this amazing shot in order to win a tournament yesterday. I was like, wow, this guy won Pebble Beach. That's crazy. It turns out it was some other tournament no, somewhere. Yeah. It was some Something happened in Saudi Arabia. I'm like, okay, all right. But well. he didn't choke. He closed. Okay, <laughs> just putting it out make, there. Trying to, you're, you're really digging in on this one. <laughs> you are really digging in. On I this I, one. I got like personally attacked. I don't. You just got to understand. I you can't. I I. It's possible. This is the problem that I have. I'd love to defend you. I don't know. You might be insane. I don't know. It, if if somebody came to me like and said, try to make a, a comparison to something. Um. Boy, I watched the men's downhill last night at the Olympics. There was nothing else on. Oh, that would be my mom. Right? I watched the men's downhill. And if somebody came to me and was like, boy, let me tell you why Michaela Schifrin's boyfriend really screwed up here, I would be like, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) I don't. It is amazing to me watching the announcers with these these skiing events. Literally, a dude skis three tenths of a second slower than the, the guy that won. And they're all like, oh, this is so disappointing. I'm like, it was three tenths of a second different. <laughs> it was three tenths of a second. If you ain't first, you're last. And they're all like, oh, what a what a terrible run. Just an awful run for Arnold Vanda Vandeschlit. I'm like, <laughs> what the heck? This guy finished at a minute 59.2, and this guy finished at a minute 59.5. They ran the exact same time. <laughs> And this guy was brilliant and breathtaking and captivating, and the other guy sucked. <laughs> and they ran the same time. <laughs> These sports are dumb, man. <laughs> but I get it. That's the way they work. It's the same thing in swimming and racing, and like the, the tenths of a second separates you. Like it's just it's wild to me watching how the announcers talk about one run versus the other one. Oh, he really made a fatal error there. Like, did he? Or did he run the exact same time? Jesus. I can't have an opinion about the subject. I don't know. I don't, I don't know if you're... I saw that Drew got involved, so I'm inclined to say Drew's wrong because I'm just inclined to say that Drew's wrong. But he golf is the one thing he knows. Like, golf is the one thing he definitely knows more than I do. I am, I, I am so out of my comfort zone when it comes to talking about golf with Drew. Okay. I just... Uh, I, I get what he was... And, and Andrew Stecka got on me about it, too. And it was, it's just one of those things where they're not wrong. Jordan Spieth is a very good golfer. Well, if it been, was about picking football games, you would know that Andrew Stecka was wrong. I disagree but, with a lot of Andrew Stecka's sports takes, but that's a topic oh, for another oh, day. Oh, oh, these sound like fighting words. These he, sound like fighting words. He and words. I, back in like 2014, went at each other so hard Ooh. about the Orioles on Twitter that I, I think I had to block him for a little bit. Ooh. Or he had to block me. or Not block, but stop following. I don't know if he remembers Juicy. that. Juicy. Juicy. But we have very different opinions on You sports. guys want to box? Nah. That, I think that's... you should box. Nah, man. I, I, feel... I think you should. But he's coming here. He's going to get his back waxed. Why don't you box? We could organize it. We could turn it into a charity I, event. I, 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 I like the guy as a guy. I don't want to hurt him. I just want Oh, damn. 
<laughs> you say you're gonna hurt him. I don't want to oh! hurt him. I just don't agree with a lot of his sports. Picks. I would think I think he should box. That's just my opinion. I think that's what should happen. Uh, speaking of which, section thirty three thirty six. They heard my call. They say they're in for a rematch. I'd like to take a break. I'd like to take a break. They say they're in for a rematch. Put this trophy at stake for another curling throwdown showdown with the boys at section three thirty six. We'll have to work on those details and see if we. I, this is the problem. I don't know if I can allow Paul on the team because he wasn't on last time and we won. So now I'm 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 nervous about whether or not that'll screw up the mojo if I put Paul on the team. Gonna have to make some tough captains. What's, I am the skip, so I have to make some difficult skip decisions. What's the game in the bar that's like shuffleboard, but it's on a um? It's called it's on, shuffleboard. It, it, on a long table. Oh, yeah, okay. That's okay. just called shuffleboard. I'm I'm pretty good at that. I, that's fine. That's not curling. It's similar. It, it's not. It's the same concept. You say that until you do it, and you realize just how drastically different they are. Um, I did make the same argument before I curled the first time. I'm like, I'm pretty good at throwing I shuffleboards. Have, I think I can do this. It, not not remotely similar. I know it's not ice skating, but I've never been ice skating. Yeah, there's no skates involved. Yeah, you don't have to. There's no skates. I've never attempted I, to traverse I, ice. I, I can't skate either. It's not a problem. You don't, you don't have to skate. So we're going to do that again, another curling throwdown showdown with the boys from Section 336. We're going to work on the details for that. Hour number one is in the books. When we come back in, we're going to chat with Brendan Quinn from The Athletic about the Maryland basketball coaching search. That's next, Glenn Clark Radio. Duffy's Garage is a family-owned and operated car care facility in beautiful Baldwin, Maryland. An authorized Maryland inspection station and Napa Pro Care Center with ASE certified techs. Tell them that Glenn Clark sent you and receive 10% off your service with a max discount of $150. You gotta trust where you take your car, so take it to where I take mine. Duffy's Garage in Baldwin. Duffy'sGarageMD.com from all of the biggest games to the smallest events, make every bet worth your while at MyBookie. Start by doubling your first deposit instantly with MyBookie's first deposit bonus up to $1,000. Double your money before you even place a bet, and all you have to do is sign up and deposit using the exclusive promo code PRESSBOX at MyBookie.ag. If your first deposit is $100, MyBookie adds $100 so you can start with $200 to play with. If your first deposit is $1,000, MyBookie adds $1,000 so you can start with $2,000 to play with. With tons of great games and prop bets to take advantage of this week, there is truly something for everyone. Don't wait any longer. Head to MyBookie today to redeem your double deposit bonus so you can start winning big today. That's promo code PRESSBOX to receive double your first deposit instantly in your account. No hassle, no wait. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie. It's another cold winter here in Baltimore, but this time there's no hot stove to warm you up. Hi, I'm Paul Valley, and while there may be no activity in the world of baseball, I'll still be here every week with my co-host Zach Goodman to give you all the latest in the CBA negotiations as teams look to get back on the field in time for spring training. You can watch us live every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon at youtube.com slash pressboxonline or facebook.com slash pressboxsports and listen at pressboxonline.com slash radio. So tune in every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon for the latest in baseball coverage right here on the Battleround. Glory Days Grill's winter seasonal menu is back with comfort classics like their house-made meatloaf and short rib grilled cheese. It also features the center-cut sirloin with grilled shrimp, the char-grilled pork tenderloin, grilled meatloaf sandwich, smoky thigh wings with Alabama barbecue sauce, and a Brussels and bacon appetizer. All of these items pair well with Devil's Backbone 8-point IPA or their anniversary IPA brewed by Devil's Backbone. And try their seasonal cocktails, Blood Orange Burger, 
Bourbon Cider, Apple Ginger Mule, and Captain's Hot Cider. Find out more and get your order in today at glorydaysgrill.com. Great food, good sports. Window Depot Baltimore provides the highest quality Pro-Via windows, doors, and siding for all budgets. The best is finally affordable. Call them today for a free in-home consultation at 410-941-3499. They also offer Zoom and FaceTime consultations in an effort to practice social distancing. A proud sponsor of the Tyus Bowser Show, you can find out more at windowdepotbaltimore.com. We can't imagine why you'd want to, but you can watch GCR live. It's at facebook.com slash pressboxsports. And try to guess whether these guys are wearing any pants. All right, back in here on GCR. Proctor uh, points out that uh, maybe the better argument for the problem with the Pro Bowl isn't the quality of football. It's the fact that Kirk Cousins was involved in the game. Like, Because if, if you're watching a football game where Kirk Cousins is supposed to be an all-star, yeah, you're probably spending your time doing I don't. I don't care if they're playing real football. I don't know that that's a good way for you to spend your I mean, Sunday afternoon. The second best touchdown to interception ratio in the league. We act like he's garbage. He's just he's, he's he, like Jordan Spieth. He's not a closer. It's, I don't know what you're trying. I don't know what you think you're saying. <laughs> I have no idea what you think you're saying. There is no world in which I need to watch more Kirk Cousins. It's he's he's what he is. He's fine. He's professionally fine, and that's all he is. Um, but no, stop, 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 stop. All right. Um, let's talk more about the Maryland basketball coaching search. And our next guest wrote a very lengthy piece for the Athletic. Uh, it's now I think two weeks ago, and I've been meaning to have him on to talk about it and everything that he learned in the process. He is the uh, National College Basketball Writer for The Athletic. He's Brendan Quinn, and he's with us now here on GCR. Brendan, it's Glenn and Paul. It's great to chat with you, man. Thank you for taking a couple of minutes for us this morning. Yeah, absolutely. Happy to. Uh, Brendan, it's interesting because uh, when when this all happened, one of the things that I said, I had no problem with the fact that Maryland moved on from Mark Turgeon, and, and it obviously, and by the way, all the reporting I did, it legitimately was a both sides type of thing. So right. I, you know, we got to be fair about that. Um, but I think that there are people like when, when, in, and I know it's been a bit of a struggle for Nate Oates since, but when Maryland fans started yelling about Nate Oates, all I could keep thinking to myself is like, what, what planet are you living on? In what world do you think that this is the job that Nate Oates, who at the moment is the darling of college basketball, is cashing in all of his chips to get, right? Like in what world is Maryland that job? And I know that Maryland won a national championship once upon a time, 20 years ago. And I think that Maryland is a place where you can have basketball success because of the, the fertile recruiting base. But the reality of where the program is just, just doesn't jive with a program that's hell-bent on we have to be a, a basketball-dominant power for, for 50 years to come. Yeah, that's kind of what I set out to answer is I remember the, the day uh, the news broke on Turge uh, the immediate response from everyone, you know, all the national writers, pundits, talking heads, whatever, was, oh, this is a top 15 job. It's a top 20 job. It's a top 30 job. And that then in turn meant something. And, you know, as I watched this unfold, I said, oh, okay, well, is, is Maryland the top 15, top 20 job? And if it is, what does that mean? Um, and that's kind of what I set out to to write or at least answer in, in some way, shape or form. I don't know if that was achieved, but um, the, this notion of, you know, what does one of those jobs looks like and what are the lines of demarcation that, that set some places apart from the others. And in a lot of ways, Maryland is one of the best jobs in, a, in the country. And in some ways it's not. So mm -hmm. the answer is kind of very much in the middle. Um, I'm not sure 
you know, what, what realistic, um, people should expect in terms of the, the higher as it, it, it is a destination, but it's not a destination for everyone. It, it's almost exactly, you're like, the way that you ended up going through this, I think Maryland's going to be able to hire a, a good coach to be their next yeah. basketball coach, right? Like, I think that they're going to be able to, there's there's a, a never-ending list of potential candidates, and they're going to be able to get one of those guys if they want to, and if they're going willing to spend the money in order to do it. I just don't believe that anybody is looking there and saying, I have, I must, I would give up whatever job I have in order to get to Maryland the way that they would say, you know, North Carolina, the way that they would say a, a, a handful of other jobs, you know, when Tom Izzo inevitably leaves Michigan State at some point, right? Like, I, I think that, that Maryland's not quite in that tier of jobs because, as you point out, more than anything, they don't even have a practice facility. <laughs> like, right. the, the, this Cal and Boston College are who we're talking about that, that swim in those waters. Like, there are so many things that show – they're not hell-bent at the University of Maryland are saying, we're elevating basketball over everything. We must be this good in basketball. Yeah, I mean, it's the, the practice facility. that when I, when I began reporting it, it's one of those things you just assume. You know, because I've been to games at, at Xfinity multiple times. I love going there. I love the environment. Um, you just assumed that there's some shiny beautiful practice facility somewhere in there or somewhere around the place that that the offices are at and that the training facilities are at. And when I started talking to people and realized that there, there isn't and that the, 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 the facilities that they do use, like the basketball-specific facilities, are, uh, I was told by some people, bottom third of the league. Yep. And that's just crazy. to like, as, as someone, you know, looking at it from afar, that's just crazy for me to square with the Maryland brand of basketball. You know, I'm 39, so I grew up in Philadelphia looking at Maryland and thinking that, like, Joe Smith was the coolest thing in the world. Sure, And, yeah. you know, loving the the, the, the the designs that came out with, with when they really leaned into the flag look I, back in the day when I was, like, seventh grade. But, um, you know, it's that, you know, you, you see the environment that's there. One of the best home court environments uh, in the country, let alone the Big Ten, it is – Arguably top three most fertile recruiting territory in the country. Um, you're in a league that will produce eight to ten NCAA bids. Then, like something as simple as a practice facility, like coaches just take that for granted at this point. Like I, to to be a candidate and realize that you not only don't have a practice facility right now, but there's no even there's no set loan actually opened something so as as one person who's been through the program said to me you know when a recruit comes out and says where's your practice facility and you say we don't have one and that's the end of the conversation right that's pretty rough in 2022 yeah it's not it's not great uh brandon quinn from the athletic is with us here on gcr and to be clear look you talk to anybody in college park it's it's happening we're going to get it done. We're going to finish it. You know, like, okay. <laughs> like, okay, sure. If you say so, we keep waiting to figure out when that's going to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brendan, if I could, I, I want to throw some names out at you, right? And, and, and just have you tell me if you think this is a person that makes sense for the Maryland job and if you think that it's someone that, that would be inclined to want the Maryland job given where they are. Is that okay? Can I play that? do that exercise with you? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, yes, sure. Okay, I'll start with um, I'll start with Andy Enfield at USC. 
Um, I mean, a guy who's been out west for a while now. Um, I have to imagine with the money that they just put toward football and hiring Lincoln Riley, uh, a pretty thing. Um, and you know, getting to live in LA, you know, it's just as recruiting, it's just as fertile as the recruiting territory. Um, you know, is he a guy who wants to be at a basketball hotbed as opposed to a football school that I don't know. I don't know him personally. So I, I think he's certainly a realistic option that you go and you can kick the tires on. I, am I convinced that he would come into Maryland and win? Not particularly. Uh, Ed Cooley at Providence. Yeah, Ed's an interesting one. Um, you know, the success that he's had at Providence, you know, how much of that is is the, is the league, is kind of he is a – he is such a Providence fit. Right. Like, how much does that translate? Um, I'm not sure. You know, like I really looked into – he got – he went down the line with Michigan back when it was replacing John Beeline. And I remember looking at his stuff and you're seeing a guy who's running the flex offense in 2022. I'm just like, man, I don't know. I don't know about that. You know? So I, does, does he, does he give up a job with extreme levels of comfort that is be, that is very successful to go into a hotbed in a place that you might get fired in three years? I don't know if I get that move for Ed Cooley as much as Maryland. I, yeah, I think if you're Maryland, you'd love to have Ed Cooley, but I certainly understand the argument, right? Like, you're at a place where you're loved and you've won enough um, and the expectations are not win championships. So, yeah, I could totally see where Ed Cooley would just say, yeah, I'm happy here, right? Like, I don't I don't yeah. need that in my life. Uh, yeah. Kevin Willard at Seton Hall. Yeah, uh, that, you know, I, I think that he would win some games. Um, I'd be curious to see what level he would recruit at. Uh, I... I wonder um, how much he would translate to the Big Ten. Um, I don't know. I really go back and forth because, I, you know, I love the way Seton Hall plays in terms of its toughness, in terms of those guys. They, they do max out a lot of times, and that's, that is often a great indicator for a coach, you know, someone who maxes out what they have. Um, but I don't know. It, does, does, does that excite? the fan base does it move the needle does it and i don't think moving a needle is a prerequisite nor should it be but i don't i don't know if kevin willard is that overly um that overly attractive to to maryland i could be wrong i I think what you're alluding to and i brought it up a couple times i think kevin willard would be a very sensible hire for maryland and Mm -hmm. i think a lot of maryland fans would say huh that reminds me of mark turgeon like i Sure. It's that that's what it comes off as. Like, okay, it's it's certainly a guy who's qualified, but I'm struggling with why I should be excited about it. Um and I think that's fair. I, you know, and, and I, it's not a knock on Kevin Willard, it's just looking at his uh, his accomplishments to this point. Um mm-hmm. Eric Musselman. I don't I don't I don't get why he would do that. I agree. I agree. Uh, the, the money's there. Arkansas is going to pay him. So, yep. I'm I'm with you, you know, on that one. Um, I just don't like when, when like the th- one of the things I can't totally speak to is, you know, just what is the ceiling for what Maryland can, can dole out for this? You know, is there going to be some, you know, uh, some, some prince in shining armor who's going to come up and, and write a, write a check. I don't, I don't know, but from where I'm standing and everything that I was led to believe, I don't see, I don't see Maryland going well over four or five per year to, to get this done. So, a lot of pro, a lot of schools can match that, 
at, at this point. Um, Arkansas is a good job. What about uh, Kim English? Yeah, I, I, definitely interests me um, because you know there there's a, there's the potential high high upside, and can you miss? Yes. However, um, you know everyone that's been around Kim English speaks highly of, of Kim English. Um, the the question's going to be if Missouri opens up too, is he really going to turn down his alma mater for Maryland? I, it's it's a very fair question, right? Like it's right. a very fair question. And then I, I, the last one, just because it won't go away, Rick Pitino. I mean, if you tell me what the university system is willing to stomach in terms of getting this job done, and then I would have a better idea of if Rick Pitino is a viable candidate. Because on paper, you know, do you want to win? Because he'll win. Um, I, I don't know. Iona already did the heavy lifting. They got him back into the job. And basically, if you hire Rick Pitino, you deal with, you know, uh, a news cycle for, what, 24 hours where everyone's going to pick it apart and and maybe, you know, throw some arrows or make fun of you or whatever it might be. Um, and then it goes away and you've got yourself a hell of a head coach. And he's going to bring in, you know, a good staff. He would he, – he's – smart enough to kind of bring in probably some some younger uh, folks who would offset his age and and maybe be maybe there's a potential you know next candidate in that group um, I, I think uh, you know look a lot of people have gotten second chances at Maryland at Maryland including the athletic director so you know uh, is it is it that far of a reach to to go with someone that has that much baggage? I don't know. I mean, he's one of the 10 best coaches in college basketball, probably five best coaches in college basketball. So, you know, what are you willing to do? Is it, it when you say it goes away, it, does it go away as quickly at Maryland as it does at Iona, right? Like, it, I, I feel like you're, you know, you are going to have to deal with everywhere you go play. Um, in the Big Ten for the first couple of years, there's going to be chance, and there's going to, you know, like all those things are coming right back to you in a way that mm-hmm. maybe they didn't exist because, of, you know, a coach is in the MAC, right? Like, sure. I, it, it, is, it, is it as simple as saying once you hire Rick Pitino, nobody cares about any of the other stuff, like, you know, all, all, all the restaurants, it's all gone? Or, or does that come back up in a way at Maryland that it just wouldn't come up at Iona? I mean,. Hey, I, I, there's there's plenty of coaches who have done plenty of bad things who are just living out in the open, <laughs> and you know everyone there wants wants Bruce Pearl. Bruce Pearl ain't exactly whistle clean, you know. Um, there's there's plenty of people who have plenty of thoughts about how things get done in certain places. Um, and look, and I know Rick Pitino's situation is completely different, right, and, and what, so the, some of the stuff that happened at Louisville was just you know morally objectionable, and you know just spoke to a a higher level of disregard for just even common sense. So I, I get that. Um, however, look, like, do, do you deal with it at schools? Yeah, but if you're 20 and 2, it's going to be painted as, you know, man, Maryland really hired. They, they, they took the risk and they're reaping the benefits. There's a lot of places that have kind of ridden that wave. So, you know, are you willing to stomach it and, and take the risk? It's really... The question, and there's plenty of other candidates. Like that's, and, I, I do feel like I do feel like this thing has kind of been whittled down to a lot of the same kind of recycled names, right? And 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 I, 
I sometimes I wonder if it's just like if this thing has been too narrowed down in the public that um, that it's almost becoming a little bit short sighted because like I put this name on Twitter and it was kind of kicked back a little bit and I'm not sure why but like if if I'm there I'm looking at Wes Miller at Cincinnati he's, he's 35 years old he is making 1.2 million a year at Cincinnati his buyout is I believe less than two million. He's already won. He's taken a program to the NCAA tournament. He got hired at Cincinnati because he didn't get the North Carolina job. He is someone who comes from ACC territory, so he would get Maryland. I think he would get it culturally. Right. He would get why it is still so kind of tethered to that ACC past. At the same time, he's now coached in the Midwest, and I feel like he would kind of understand a little bit of the Midwest and kind of have a feel for kind of Big Ten you know, living and things like that. Like. If if he were still at his previous school, I feel like everyone would be talking about Wes Miller. Just because he's at Cincinnati, to me, doesn't eliminate that. I, I think I, a shrewd AD goes and takes a run. Why not? I, I hear what you're saying. You know, again, you're betting on somebody on the come, yeah, right? It's it's one, it, it's sort of like the Kim English. Million yep. in a bad league. I hear you. I hear you. I hear, I hear you. I, <laughs> But I and I just I want I think that you're dealing with the fan base question, right? Like, do they want the coach that's on the come or the coach that's already proven himself? That like, if you're Wes Miller, of course you should take the Maryland job, right? And I think this right. fan base is hoping for someone to take this job that doesn't have to take the job. Like, that's the the type of coach mm-hmm. that they want to have hired here. I, I by by again by your qualifications, do I think Wes Miller is a coach on the come who you might be getting as he rises into what he's going to be? A hundred percent, I think that's totally possible. One hundred percent, I think that's yeah. a plausible scenario. Um, yeah. we will see. It's in, it's an interesting name to throw out. I know Nico Ned has been names has been thrown out from Colorado State mm-hmm. and Mark Pope and you know some of those guys. You're like, I'm not really sure what the connection is other than just they're a good coach. Right. You know, like I I get that and wherever yeah, you gotta Pope find is- it. Pope is one that interests me. Um, I was in Maui one year, one year when BYU was there and kind of went behind the scenes with them because I was working on a story on Chris Burgess, the former Duke player, who's now an assistant at BYU, and, uh, and kind of got to watch them operate for a few days. And I, I came away really, really impressed and was you know, thinking, like, man, that, that Mark Pope, if he wins games, like, he's going to be an attractive candidate. And I, and I, I kind of wonder why he isn't if it's strictly he's kind of being tabbed with the BYU thing, you know, which it, it is so unique. hyper unique yeah. to, to have success there. Um, but at the same time, it's like Mark Pope doesn't come from BYU, right. you know, like it, it, his basketball credentials are go back to, you know, blue blood. Stuff. Yep. So yep. Um, yeah, he would be, he would be interesting. The problem is if you, if he wins there, he's probably going to go into Kentucky. That's it's a fair point. That's a really fair point, right? Yeah, he would rush to that job the moment it becomes available. All right, uh, Brendan, uh, it's great stuff. We're going to link up the story for people that haven't read it yet that you wrote. It's a lengthy piece of The Athletic about the Maryland basketball coaching search. What else do you have coming up that people should be on the lookout for? Uh, well, a few things. I'm actually on, my, on the road right now. I'm heading from – I was just at Murray State uh, working on a story on uh, you know one of the best mid-major programs in the country that just – it keeps doing it even without John Morant and kind of introducing people to the head coach there, a guy named Matt McMahon, who I would not be surprised if he pops up at an SEC school um, at some point in the rather near future. Um, and I'm on my way on the road right now to Memphis to kind of press press my face on the glass and see what in the world is happening 
is happening mm. there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I hope you don't get yeah. yelled at in the post game. I hope yeah, you I can take it, but it would be, uh, it'd be an interesting scene. I also have a story on Travion Williams, I believe, coming up um, that kind of re-examined recruiting rankings um, for sure. you know when a guy is far removed from, from that time in his life. So, uh, yeah, yeah, looking forward to it, and I appreciate you, uh, you asking. At BF Quinn on Twitter is how you follow him. Brendan, really appreciate you taking a couple of minutes for us this morning, man. We'll be in touch. Thanks so much for doing it. Happy to. Thanks so much. Brendan Quinn from The Athletic checking in with us, talking a little bit more about the Maryland basketball search. Um, I The Ed Cooley thing is really interesting to me. It, I mean, it really is. It's quite interesting to me because I, I think that if I, I'm, I'm like trying to put myself in, in that person's shoes, the argument of you got a fan base here that's not going to be happy unless you're competing for championships, whereas at Providence – being competitive and being someone who's from there makes you happy. It's not likely to be a drastic difference in money. So why are you leaving happy? I think it's relevant. I think it's quite relevant, in fact. I think it's almost overwhelmingly relevant. It almost makes me think that Egg Cooley isn't really a candidate at Maryland. Which is a bummer because I think Ed Cooley's a hell of a coach, and I think they do well. Um, but why mess? Why mess with happy? Why mess with? And maybe, maybe there really is. Maybe there's some part of Ed Cooley that we don't know about that wants the challenge of winning a national championship, and doesn't believe he'll be able to do it at Providence. Thinks there's a limit to what you can accomplish there, and says this is my chance to go somewhere where I will have a shot at winning a national title. I'm gonna cash in my chips and do it. Right, like maybe maybe that exists, but it's quite the jump to make to think that Maryland, twenty years removed, and multiple coaches removed from winning a national championship, from even being close, like that's the other part about this. It's not as if they've been competitive for a national championship since then. They've been competitive in other ways. You know, they've made the Sweet Sixteen because the bracket broke for them. The Gravis Vasquez team, certainly, if Corey Lucius doesn't hit that shot, has a chance of making the Final Four that year. But they have not been competitive to win a national championship at all in 20 years. So you're happy. You're at a place where you're loved. The money's not overwhelming. The only difference would be the belief that you could win a national championship in one place or the other. I'm not certain that I know that Maryland is a significantly better place to be to try to win it than Providence. I just don't know that. Those are the realities of the circumstances. And, you know, I, I, I hope. I hope Maryland will get there. But reality is reality. That's not what they've been. We're remembering something from a time ago that ain't what Maryland has been. Arkansas won a national championship in the 1990s that didn't make Arkansas a perennial powerhouse for years to come. Georgia Tech made it to the national championship game against UConn. Let's just say they win that game. Are they suddenly a basketball powerhouse, or are they a team that won a national championship? And I get that it's hard to do. I certainly understand that. But I just don't see it. I just don't see it. 
Today's show also brought to you by your local Toyota dealer and buyatoyota.com. Make the most out of every day in a Toyota RAV4 available in hybrid or gas-only models. A RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. Come back in, look at the other side of the Super Bowl matchup, and Jeremy Kahn still to come on a Monday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. Sports fans, the wait is over. The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is now open at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. This is your chance to win big right in your own backyard. Bet on every sport with self-service kiosks and watch all of the action from the best seat in the house. Make every moment more at the all-new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit MDGambling help.org that first sip that first bite starts your day off right with a delicious breakfast at royal farms choose from a fantastic selection of fresh royal farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world at royal farms breakfast is available day and night it's the freshest breakfast in the world real fresh real fast royal farms Duffy's Garage is a family-owned and operated car care facility in beautiful Baldwin, Maryland. An authorized Maryland inspection station and Napa Pro Care Center with ASE certified techs. Tell them that Glenn Clark sent you and receive 10% off your service with a max discount of $150. You gotta trust where you take your car, so take it to where I take mine. Duffy's Garage in Baldwin. Duffy'sGarageMD.com the latest issue of Press Box is available now, and it's our very special annual Best of Issue on the cover. We celebrate Justin Tucker as our Mo Gabba Sports Person of the Year, honoring his historic on-field achievements, but also the unprecedented relationship he shared with Baltimore. Inside, we recognize the top people, performances, and moments of 2021, including Cedric Mullins' incredible season and the dominance of local Paralympic athletes. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. The biggest pro wrestling stars today and all time all have one thing in common. You've heard them on Jobbing Out. Matt and Nick Jackson, the Young Bucks. Thanks for having us, man. Appreciate it. The great Kurt Angle. Thanks for having me on the show. I appreciate it. And Matt Riddle. Yeah, man. Thanks, man. The champ, Drew McIntyre. Oh, thank you for having me. The great Ron Simmons. Damn. Keith Lee. Appreciate you guys having me, man. Bill Goldberg. My pleasure. Charlotte. Thank you so much for having me. Mick Foley is with us. This is the greatest name for a wrestling show I've ever heard. MJF. I'm glad you're happy I'm on this show because I'm freaking miserable. Yeah. Le Champion. Chris Jericho. Le Champion. AJ, Aaron, Brandon, and Glenn are talking pro wrestling every week on Jobbing Out. Find it at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio, iTunes, and SoundCloud. Stay tuned. Your chance to win a million dollars is coming up. Probably not from us. You're listening to Glenn Clark Radio. Tonight, Facebook Live, Stan the Fan Charles, Ross Grimsley, and the Otter Greg Olson. They'll be getting together, talking some baseball this evening. Busy week for Stan. He's doing three shows for you. On a Wednesday night, he'll be catching up with uh, Towson basketball coach Pat Scary at 7 o'clock on Thursday he and uh, Gary Stein will be catching up with City Councilman John Bullock and Stephanie Williams, who's the president of the Carroll Park Pitch and Putt Golf Club, 
to talk about um, something special they've been doing um, about sort of the diversity of golf in the area. So some great shows this week. Again, all starts tonight. Stan and Ross Grimsley and Greg Olson, 6 o'clock. Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. And then if you miss it, you can see it the next day. PressBoxOnline.com slash video. Monday edition of GCR. I apologize. Bunch of people that I haven't gotten to this morning. I'm sorry. It's my fault. Um, uh, Michael is apparently mad about what Brendan Quinn was saying about Maryland. What makes this guy an expert on recruiting? I'm not sure that he said that he was an expert on recruiting. Um, and, and yes, yeah, the idea is that the practice facility is being built, but it's been being built for years to come. And there is no date today on when it's going to be done. There's still money that needs to be raised in order for it to be finished. Now they are confident at Maryland that it's going to happen, but they were confident it was going to happen years ago. To pretend like it's not a part of the story, yes, it's coming. Sure, great. You're playing catch-up at that point. It's not putting you ahead of anyone else. It's just getting you on a level playing field. And you still have to, have to actually do it. The guy that takes the job is not going to be able to walk recruits to a practice facility this summer. It will be time before he can do that. So you can be mad about that, and, and you can not like it because it seems like somebody's trashing your team, but that's reality. Yes, we think there's going to be a practice facility for the Maryland basketball team coming. Yes, they have plans, and most of the money raised. But there is nothing in the ground. It's not even something that we can give a date to. Here's when we know. You can say to a recruit, it's going to be here for your freshman season. It doesn't exist. That's not real, and it's a factor. Uh, Paul Novilando, I did have a Terps coaching search question. Does anyone know if Thad Mata is interested in getting back on the sideline to coach again? I know he had back issues, but if healthy, he'd be an awesome hire, only in his mid-50s, no buyout to pay, and a proven winner in the Big Ten. It's a very interesting question. I have not thought much about Thad Mata at all, if I'm being completely honest. Um, he has a role in... Um, in what they're doing at Indiana. I don't know all of the details of how that works, but it was part of like their hire of Mike Woodson is that um, like they, there was a story, if I remember correctly, that like they needed to know where he, they wanted to hire him to be the coach. They needed to know where he was health wise and he just wasn't a place health wise where he could be the coach. So instead um, he was going to just take a job. Then I think some of those reports were refuted. If I remember correctly, I don't know exactly where he is. I would like to think that if you are conducting a search for a Maryland basketball coach that you probably would have called and gotten that answer. And, yeah, he's only 54. He's certainly – it's not like hiring Rick Pitino, who's 69. Um, if Thad Mott is in a place where he's interested and he would want to do it and he certainly knows the conference, there's no debate about that, I'd very much be interested in Thad Mott as being Maryland's next basketball coach. It's just not a name that I've, I've thought of a whole lot, but, you know, 100%. It'd be a name. I, I would also think that if he took that job at Indiana and, like, it might be a, a thing where, like, if he's capable of coaching again, there's sort of an agreement that he would do it at Indiana. And I know Mike Woodson's an alum and he's a popular guy, but I would think that Indiana would move pretty quickly if Thad Mata could coach again to say, no, you're going to be the coach here. That's the way this is going to work. Um, so I, I don't know what the factor that would be. Um, to, to Steve... 
Steve, who says, Glenn, I'm just not understanding of why it is that everyone is so dismissive of Rick Pitino. We're pretending like Rick Pitino is an evil person and forgetting the fact that he was the victim of an extortion plot. Technically, that is true. You're not wrong about that, Steve. I feel as though at some point we have to sit down and have a conversation about what it is that we want from a basketball coach. If you want to say that there can be a a higher, that long term is a better option than Rick Pitino, yeah, that's certainly possible. But right now, to your guest's point, there's no doubt that he is one of the best basketball coaches in the country, and there's nothing he's done that is so evil that I wouldn't want him to be on the team. I... Having hookers around the basketball team at Louisville, you want to say it's not evil? Fine. Maybe it's not evil. But that's so beyond the pale that it's like the next step to evil. Right? Like, I'm not... I'm not, again, by no means a prude. And certainly understand that young men can do whatever they want. They're going to want to have sex. They can go out and have sex whoever they want to have sex with. But, like, openly having escorts around for recruits, and I guess some of them weren't legally even adults. I know that, like, they tried to do the bit where, oh, I wasn't involved with that, and they tried to pin it on all the assistants or whatever it was was they tried to do at Louisville. I, I, you want to, you know, hide. If the line, when I talk about this a lot with football players, if you want to say the line is, you know, did you commit domestic violence? Did you commit sexual assault? If you didn't do, do those things, you're not evil. Fine, we can do that. But as far as being a basketball coach is concerned, I think the things that were going on at Louisville were, we know at this point, a step beyond anything that's even remotely reasonable. And I'd like to believe that we're capable of saying, no, no, that's 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 why we, we're not doing this. That's um, just not happening here for those reasons. So I, I'm going to maintain I'm out on Rick Pitino. Look, if the, if Maryland ends up hiring Rick Pitino, I'm going to wish him well. I'm going to hope that he's he's not going to replicate any of the things that he did at Louisville. I hope that he's going to run a program that's respectable. Clean isn't even the word that I'm looking for because again, I, the clean thing you, know, you can't. That has been the NCAA has screwed that up, but respectable is what I would be looking for and hoping for. And I think we all know that what was happening at Louisville was not respectable in any way. So, you know, that, that's my Rick Pitino bit. I wouldn't hire Rick Pitino. I'd pass on Rick Pitino. And I don't think you need to hire Rick Pitino. I think you should be capable of finding someone who can be Rick Pitino for some time. To, to Brendan Quinn's point, could that be Wes Miller? Could Wes Miller be that guy that could be your Rick? You found him. You got a coach on the come, and you found the guy that could run your program for the next 20 years and make it a model program throughout college basketball because you got the right guy at the right time. We all want – this is the guarantee fairy. This is the Tommy Boy thing. We all want – you can get a good look at a T-bone by sticking your head up a a a butcher's ass. No, it's got to be your butcher. We all want that guarantee fair. We all want someone that we know is going to win national championships. But those guys that we know can win national championships are overwhelmingly at jobs where they're not leaving. Your job as an athletic director, as someone who's going to be tied to this hire, is to identify the person who's capable of winning a national championship if he's in the right spot. And surrounding him with that opportunity. 
Maryland, of course, absolutely believed that Mark Turgeon was that guy. That's what Kevin Anderson thought he was hiring. You can make your Kevin Anderson jokes all you want. They thought they were hiring that guy in Mark Turgeon. And they were wrong. Damon Evans has to figure out who that guy is. It could be Wes Miller. It might very well be Andy Enfield. I I don't think, I think it's almost, cheating is the wrong word, but it feels like you're trying to, to cut corners by saying, well, we know Rick Pitino has won championships, so just hire Rick Pitino. I'm, I'm out. Again, they hire him, they hire him. God bless. Hope he wins. Hope he succeeds. But if that's what it is, it's what it is. We, uh, why don't we just call Jeremy at this okay. point? Yeah. Uh, movies like like Blue Chips and He Got Game, just let me to believe that the stuff that Rick Pitino did in Louisville is just something that happened all the time. Not, not, so not, I, I, yeah, like, not, not nearly. Not nearly like that. And again, there was, it's, even to that, it was a bit aggressive and, at and Louisville. I'm not saying that it's okay, but I just was under the impression that this happens more often than we think. There's plenty of things that happen that don't go to that extent, that don't go to that level. There's plenty of things that happen with in recruiting and things that 100% coaches are willing to just sort of shield their eyes from and say, eh, we don't know what's going on in these trips. We don't know what's happening. We're not going to worry too much about it. The stuff that was happening at Louisville was beyond that. It was coordinated. It was in concert with the coaching staff. It was all of that stuff. This wasn't a... Hey, whatever happens, happens. This was a we're going to make it happen type of thing. Not, if you think that's okay, you think that's okay. That's on you. I don't really care that Rick Pitino had, had sex with a woman in a restaurant. I really don't care about that. Is it is it tawdry? 100%. Is it no more tawdry than what, you know, the last American president did? Also that. I don't really care about those things. I just don't think they're necessary. If Rick Pitino was 20 years younger and we were talking about the same things, I might be more inclined to have the conversation. I don't so desperately need to hire the 69-year-old coach who was also the guy that made sure there were constantly hookers around the Louisville basketball program. At some point, it's enough for me to say, look, I'm not going to lose my mind. If Maryland hires him, if that's who they hire, I'm going to say I wish him well. But I don't need to bang on a table for that to be the next basketball coach at the University of Maryland. This man uh, never, never once in his life had hookers around. Not one time, not a chance. I know that about him. He's Jeremy Kahn, 105.7 The Fan, and he's back with us now here on GCR. What's going on, pal? How are you? Wait a minute. Did you just accidentally say bang on a table talking about Rick Pitino? <laughs> <Right. as, laughs> was that a double entendre? You know what? That was totally accidental. You're 100% yeah, great. right. <laughs> totally accidental. That is really oh. funny. That is really funny. That's beautiful, man. What's going on That's with you? I love you. Well, how, how you doing, brother? Everything good? I'm good, man. It was an interesting weekend. I had a crappy weekend gambling, um, but... Uh, what are you okay? This is you're the perfect person. What are you betting on right now? Right, like with with there not being any football games, what mm-hmm. do you, what are you spending your weekend betting on? Uh, the NBA, and college basketball, primarily. Okay. Um, you know, I didn't bet the Pro Bowl. I did make a pick, and then I was pissed off watching it. That, like I would have, I would have told there, there's no advantage to betting that game with how they played it. Like the defensive linemen stand up, and it was just it was it was a utter train wreck but you know people will still bet it um and i like the nfc just because everybody was talking about the afc but it was just it was horrendous like to even watch um 
But yeah, it's primarily the NBA and college basketball. And the NBA's been unbelievably. You there? And nope. Guys not playing back to backs, and then you'll you'll literally have a moment where the spread's been out all day. You know, money's coming in to show you which way you want to bet, and then all of a sudden it's like, well, three starters are sitting. So then the line moves, you know, eight and a half points, and it's like, well, the hell are you going to do then? And I'm not one. I don't. I don't pound those big numbers like. You know, if the line moved and somebody was favored by five, and all of a sudden they're fourteen and a half point favorites, I typically don't bet those games. Okay, I get that. I get that. Right. So explain explain that for the dumb person why you wouldn't be doing that. Because like, so I'm a guy that looks to see where the money's going, and I look for yep. reverse line movement. And there are some people that frown upon it, like, oh, he's just a contrarian. That's, that's, that's it. like you're just going to look at where money's going and then go the opposite way. There's more to it. It's not just that cut and dry. There are a lot of intangibles in there. And then there are things that I like to look at personally uh, in college basketball with top 25 teams, which that failed me this weekend, whenever they go on the road and they're small favorites or underdogs. Like, I like to bet on the home team in that, in that instance because the line's telling you something. Like, tonight's a perfect example where uh, – well, not a perfect example, but Texas is hosting Kansas, and Texas is a one-and-a-half-point favorite. It's my favorite bet of the evening, so I'm taking the Longhorns at home. Um, but, you know, it's, uh, typically I like to do it where it's uh, – what was the game this weekend? Oh, Alabama. Alabama could be a top 25 team. Mm-hmm. They hosted Kentucky, yep. and they got their, their brains beat in. Yep. I didn't make that an official play for me on Saturday, but I did like the game. Um, what was the top play for me on Saturday in college basketball? There was another uh, – you know, like I had UNC as a three-point underdog to Duke, and I yeah. liked them in that matchup their last time facing Yikes. You know, Coach K in, in, at their facility, and I uh, thought they'd really be up for it. And, do beat the brakes off of them, yeah. you know? So, like, little things like that. But there's also things in the NBA that people don't look at. Like, the Bulls will be playing four games in, I think, six nights, and that's a lot. Like, uh, somebody had just tweeted out the Marta Rosens played more minutes in the past four games or three games he's played, and then they gave out all these other superstars in their past five to six games combined. So, um, yeah, I mean, there, there are, like, a lot of little things that I think people don't pay attention to that uh, I'm looking at all day long. But it was. It was a crappy weekend for betting for me. But, uh, you know, I was happy because I got to watch the Jackass Forever movie. And okay. My pants I, uh, yeah. we, we also watched. I got to be honest with you. We went and saw it Friday, Jeremy. Um, uh-huh. I, I had one moment during the course of the movie where I said to myself, and it's the moment. Uh, do we care? Do we, it's, it's spoiler. Spoiler. It's still funny when you see it, even if you hear it. Yeah, it's true. It, it's like, the moment where Preston um, uh, poops his pants. Uh-huh. And then he, like, looks into the camera and he's like, I'm an adult. I'm 50. I shouldn't be doing this. Yeah. And it was like the only time I had like a moment where like I sort of, it, it became quite meta for me where I'm like, should any of us be doing this? Like, should any of us still be watching these 50 year old dudes doing this to themselves? Like, is this actually See, sad? You, you took it the other way. I took it the opposite way. Like, he's 50 and he shouldn't have just accidentally crapped in his pants. Like that's what I, I thought. Oh he was no, that's it's a hundred percent what I think he was saying. I'm saying it created yeah. a moment for an existential <laughs> crisis that I was yeah. feeling in that moment about well, watching all of it. Where I'm like, I, I, look, this is jackass, and I will forever love and appreciate all of this. But even like as they were trying to put the young guys over, watching a bunch of fifty year old dudes trying to put over a guy named Poopies, like was yeah. was really like quite weird to me. Like. They, and they couldn't have said it any more time. Like, they had to keep calling the guy poopies because there's no – what's the shortened version of it? Like, what's up, poop? Yeah. You know, like, they just yep. had to keep saying poopies a hundred times. And I'm like – must have I, a terrible name or something. Oh, I, I can't know. even but, imagine what the guy's name. But, like, well, I, I, and, I, and I get it, and I'm not 
it's not embarrassing because my God, they're all getting rich, right? Like it's not embarrassing by any stretch of the imagination. But at some point, like, aren't we all supposed to say like maybe you shouldn't be sitting around at 50 years old uh, hitting guys with stun guns out of nowhere and dumping, you know, uh, I don't want to say because that sort of gives away one of the yeah. big scenes in the film. Yeah. Um, doing that, like, at, at some point, shouldn't you be moving beyond that in your life? I, in a weird way. I felt the best about Chris Pontius because he did the least of the stunts during the course of the uh -huh. film where I could tell he was just sort of like, guys, I don't have to do this anymore. Like, I'll be a part of your movie. I'll still put on a dress and, like, do some he silly did two things. things that I would never do. And one was drinking well, said thing that you were talking about and then the, uh, a snapping turtle at the beginning of the movie. Right, but correct. He did a couple of those. But, but he did the least of the, the physical stunts. I, like, I thought the star of this one... Now, first off, did, let me ask you, did you like any of the new guys or no? You mentioned Poopies, the uh, big heavy Poopies set guy. Did the, 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 the Zach was the heavy set guy. He's the yeah. guy that did the most for me. I thought he had the most to offer. In like and the, then they brought in uh, the, the African-American guy from uh, England and right. the other guy whose dad was a gangster. And I thought that stuff <laughs> right. was funny. I actually, that did um, work for me, too. That, that, the, the that worked star, for me. The star of the show for me was Danger Aaron. Right. Like, Danger Aaron was, was very good. Yes, he stepped up. My favorite up. skits. And uh, the lie detector test that turned out to be something yep. else, which I won't ruin it for anyone, yep. was absolutely my favorite, especially when they're telling him he needs to be quiet. And then <laughs> they hit the shotgun. <laughs> And they, it makes me laugh every time, and his body shakes so much when he's nervous. It's hilarious. I, I'm with so. you. I'm with you on Danger Aaron being the star. Of the, I'm 100 percent in agreement on that. There were parts yeah. where I legitimately thought they were trying to kill him. Uh, oh, okay. my, I, I, like the point where well, I, I, I was like, "Whoa!" The pogo stick. I, oh. I don't like. But that again goes back to the. There's a limit for me, right? Like PK Subban. I get what the, I get that bit. The pogo stick. Like yeah, that what? was awful. What the f? Like what? What, what is that? Was gonna happen? Like, honestly, I, that one to me was I, like I, I, I mean I. Every time I watch a Jackass movie, inevitably I have to look away a little bit every now and then. Like I have to kind of regroup and and shake it off. Um, that the pogo stick was by far, you know, like the the, the one. Yeah, that was in the this one. one. Cringe like, the most. Somebody audibly yelled from the back of the room, "Please don't." <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> right before the scene started. It was one of the funniest <laughs> things I've ever heard in my life. Was someone in the movie theater. There's like eight of us in the movie theater. And one person yelling out, please don't. <laughs> <laughs> it was, uh, you know, and it's funny because like this type of humor, like I I grew up on Jackass. I loved it. And 100%. One, of, one of the stories I love telling is we had Steve-O in studio when he was doing, it was basically like a stand-up comedy routine, but right. he was showing a lot of videos of crazy things he did. Like if you didn't get to see a stand-up, he went down to the Dominican Republic or Puerto Rico. I'm trying to remember where it was. And he got, um, uh, you know, he, he got his, uh, his what, what am I looking for? You got it done, right? With the, putting the peas on the crotch. And, oh, the vasectomy, oh, yes. The vasectomy. I yes. couldn't think of the damn yes. word. This is how fried yeah, my right? brain is. Yeah. I'm, I'm hungover from yesterday because I went out drinking with Ed Nord. Oh, man. Oh, God. You know what? I had a day like that once upon a time where I realized I spent eight hours in the same establishment, had two separate meals in the same establishment because I was drinking with Ed Nor. <laughs> Can I tell you how drunk I was? I, I, so, like, by the time that uh, I got home and I took food to go, so I get dropped off and I walk in the house and I give my family the food that I brought home from the restaurant and my drunk-ass DoorDash Chinese food. So, like, that's how messed up I was. And I didn't remember anything that happened <laughs> last night and then i realized you got to wake up at four 5 a.m yeah the 5 a.m yeah. right yeah, i mean come on it, it's uh. just ridiculous but but with all that being said like 
um, growing up on Jackass and watching it and just laughing my tail off, like I just I thoroughly enjoy what they're doing, and it's been this physical comedy that a lot of people try, but they don't they don't go far enough. Like they don't. It, you need that shock and awe factor, like almost like a shock jock. You know, you need I, I, something where you're going, "Oh my god!" I agree. I agree on most accounts. The only thing I would say okay. is I could do without the pooping. I'm done with the pooping the pants thing. That to me. And especially given the context, like it wasn't even that like something that happened that led him to put. He just pooped his pants. Like that's all yeah, that he just happened. Put the fart, and that right? Was like that's it. Like I didn't. I that one to me did not register, and it was again, it was worse because of his reaction afterwards, which made me feel a bit of like an, an existential way, where I'm just like, oh god, like he's kind of speaking on behalf of all of us in this moment. Like that was that was the only thing I could do without. I could certainly do without the pogo stick. Like, I could 1,000% do without. The entire sketch works with all the other things they did. It was it was brilliantly done. The pogo stick was just... I, I just don't know how you don't step in and say, we're not doing that. So so let me ask you this thing, Glenn. Is there, are there things on that show that you think you would do, and are there definitely yes. things that you know you would Oh, I think that we always, I think, have those kind of, like, like when they're doing the, you know, you know me, I'm a slip and slide man, right? Like when they're doing yeah. the slip and slide out in the desert, I'm like, yeah. as stupid as that is, as like idiotic and insane as what they're doing is, 100%, if my boys at, a, at an age were like, we're setting up a bizarre ass slip and slide out in the middle of a desert, let's do it. I'd be like, all right, hell with it. I'll, I'll do it. You know what I mean? Like, you don't have to pay me for that. Like, you wouldn't even have to approach me in that way. But, yeah, certain other things that were involved, I, I ain't, I ain't the, um, the, like, the ping pong game they played. No. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to pass. <laughs> Could I'm, I be? In. Oh, I'm in for that one. <laughs> of course you are. Ironically. It was like um, the, and- the, the, one of the legendary sketches in Jackass history is the paper cut sketch, right? Oh, and, God, that's awful. And I'm telling yeah. you, in a million years, never, never in, like, I, there, there is there is pain that I would just say there's no way in hell. And the, the paper, sound of it makes me dry heave. Like, yes. The, like, like the, it just, I can't handle it. And I have this weird, this isn't, most people don't know this. I don't think anybody knows it, but I, I found out in high school. I have this weird thing where it makes me almost vomit the sound of, like, cardboard ripping. That sound That's hits so me weird. in my ears, and I like start like dry heaving. Really? Um, Can we? Rip yeah, that box like styrofoam yeah. rubbing together. <laughs> like when you get when you take. Let's say you bought a new TV and you're sliding it out of the box. Oh yeah. I have to be out of the room. I can't do it. It wow. makes me want to throw up. Yeah. Wow. It's a well. really weird thing, and I don't know why. But it makes you want to throw up. Next and, year's uh, next year's drinking show just got way more interesting. <laughs> just got. I, I'm telling you, if you want me to throw up, it'll, it'll probably happen. Um, but no, like with like some of the stuff, uh, the ingesting of nasty things and i want it like i i don't i don't know that i could go through with that knowingly like if someone tricked me like they were talking about i'd be pissed right but like the physical stuff i i would have done a lot of that those dumb things and even stuff with the animals but like for example when when like there's a scorpion it's thing uh, someone in the mouth right and it's hitting them in the mouth and they do it once i'm like oh they got it and then right. they go back you they want to keep, do it again yeah. and they do it again they i would immediately it. say no nope. i don't nope <laughs> we got your shot you got what you're looking for here we're done we are yeah. done here i'm out i have accomplished what i was supposed to accomplish here there is nothing more that needs to be done look and, i'm, I'm and, so glad i went and saw it and trust me when they're 60 and they make a jackass 5 i'm gonna go see it again i assure you i'm even gonna with go. all the new characters there's just something i don't know what it is about me like i was smiling while i was waiting for it 
And then I hear the opening theme song, yep. and it always does the same thing. To, I don't know why. It, it takes me back to a place where I'm just happy laughing. Yep. Like laughing at dumb things. And I love it. I said that to my, I happened to an old friend of mine, like a friend from high school. I happened to bump into her dad over the weekend. We were just chatting for a little bit. I'm like, oh, you're going to laugh. I went and saw another Jackass movie, and he looked at me, and he was like, that sounds about right. I'm like, it's just two hours, and knowing I'm getting to watch guys get hit in the balls. Like, I, what I'm supposed to say no? Like, come on, man. I'm going to oh, go man, see another so Jackass movie. All right, let's let's do a little Super Bowl. Give me give me a couple of things. Maybe not even because your pick. I'm sure you're saving for later on in the week. But a couple well, of I mean, things. I'm not telling you. Everybody's listening should know. So, um, um uh, you know what? <laughs> Boy, I feel like a jackass now. No, no, I, uh, I, I love the Rams. It's okay, like, this might be one of the largest wagers I I've ever placed. Ooh. Um, I, I just you know when I it reminds me so much of last year where we have an inferior offensive line. And you have a team that we look at and everybody wants to pull for, wants to root for, outside of maybe people in Baltimore. And it still may be cute. Like, oh, I like Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. and He's so good, this and that. You're going to hate them in three years. Like, if you don't hate them now, you're going to hate them. But they, they've been playing with house money, which is awesome. Uh, you know, the fact that they found ways to win games. I just think that this is a mismatch offensively for the Rams against Cincy's defense and conversely the Rams' defense because they're going to be able to rush for and get after Joe Burrow with that bad offensive line and drop seven in the coverage. And I just think it's going to be a really long night, and I wouldn't be surprised if this is an anticlimactic Super Bowl where the Rams are up 17 or something and we're just waiting for the fourth quarter to be over. Um, that's honestly what I think happened. And I know they're four-point favorites, all that public money coming in on Cincinnati and the line. It, it started. It was moving the wrong way, and then initially it came back down a half a point. I think it'll yeah. stay at four. It might go to four and a half, but... I, I definitely think the Rams are the right side, and nothing's changed in my mind outside of an injury from now until Sunday. All right, give me a couple other things that you're looking at for Super Bowl bets. So I, I want to I start looking at some of the props and players. Like I, there, There's a good chance that I take um, over as far as the sacks go. Um, a guy that I'm a little bit interested in that I think could be an afterthought is Van Jefferson. Um, and I might, you know, like I always like finding these guys that haven't been getting the action up until this point, so their numbers will be lower. Like, you know, um, I'm trying to think of, like, I remember betting Ricky Prohl to get over, like, uh, 12 and a half yards. So you just okay. need one catch from him okay. way, way back when. You know, so, like, things like that. So to take some guy that's not often used. And then the other thing to really look at is both tight ends being banged up. And both teams like to use the tight end. So Drew Sample, and forgive me because I'm blanking on the kid that came in. I think his last time he got a B. Um, for oh, Higby. Blanton, right, like, is his name? Blanton, yeah. They started, like, targeting him. And I would not be shocked if Blanton sees – like getting a Blanton anytime touchdown or something like that, the the odds are going to be great, and they're going to have just as much of a chance as some of the other guys because of how much they use them in their offense. Not necessarily about the player; it's about you know that that position and that that position getting mismatches. And you know everybody's going to want to bet Cooper Cups over. I get that, so I'll look at it. Um, if I believe Cincinnati's going to be trailing, Joe Mixon's catches, uh, P. Ryan's catches, like those things would be. I'm trying to find things that fit my game flow of how I think the game's going to play out. So um, that's primarily where I'll look. And, and then I'll find some cool cross sports, but I, I need to wait till the end of the week till those really start coming out to, to see what we have. All right, very good. What's coming up in the Big Bag Morning Show this week? Uh, all of us are in. We've been talking about um, you know, Ed being in Florida doing the show, and we're all here. Um, you know, so it's been, it's been a good time, uh, having a lot of fun with, uh, with the guys. So we'll be focusing in on the Super Bowl, the Hall of Fame coming up this week, and, and all those things that – um, that apply. And, and the other thing I was going to tell you is I was just, I was asked by Press Box to write 
similar to what I did last year. So I will actually post all of my favorite Super Bowl prop bets nice. in an article before the weekend. So people can go. If you want to follow me, follow me. If you want to um, fade me, fade me. But good luck with that. I hope I hope it doesn't work out for you. But, right. Uh, but yeah, it's it's going to be a fun week, and, and I'm really how how much are you looking forward to the halftime show? Um, I am. Yeah, this is a weird part. I would if this was a concert, I'd be through the roof, right? Yeah. I have I have that small worry that they're trying to do so much in a short amount of time that mm-hmm. it 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 just sort of ends up being a TikTok video. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's 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 five performers. And they're it's like thirty seconds of your songs. Or ex- whatever, exactly right. It's 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 yeah. literally the first verse and the hook, and that's it, right? Like, and you're just sort of like, and this is the the the, the reason why Prince's halftime show is how because he just played six songs, right? And you're like, mm-hmm. they were all bangers, and you're like, this is wonderful. Like, I'm very worried that this is for you're trying to introduce millennials to these people, and you're gonna get. 20 seconds of one song right into another song and they all want to put over something they've got coming out right now right like and and you just end up getting I, i'm just worried about that that's all i'm very worried that you're going to get something that's meant for tiktok or it's like the jimmy fallon version of what it is that you really yeah. want from these performers i get what you're saying like it's just you're trying to you're trying to fit too many ingredients in one dish and right. it just doesn't end up working out. Right. That's what I'm worried about with this. But I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong. I hope it's amazing because God, you know, God knows. I love everybody involved, right? Like, I'm all in on all of it. Even Kendrick Lamar. I think Kendrick Lamar is great. Um, I, I think he might he might be the one that outshines everybody yeah, else. I mean, I, I, I think he's tremendous. But I just, yeah. I'm a little I'm a little nervous about the Jimmy Fallonification of of shows in general. Like, we just have to do, we, we just got to do a lot, right? And then we can say, look at all the songs we did. Well, you did five seconds of it. Like, mm-hmm. I would just rather you do, like, Forgot About Dre. I'd rather you do. And I assume they're going to close. Like, I, if they make a bet, I assume they've got to close with California Love, right? Like, You're going to say the same thing. You either open or close with it. Closing with it makes more sense. I think that's the but, last image that you want from the halftime show is, like, everybody out there, you know, doing well, you that. got all those. Guys, California Love, they're playing in LA. Right. Like, it just it makes total sense. Do they I'm have thinking. the Tupac hologram? E- e- maybe. <laughs> like, maybe. I don't think that was their thing, though. I think that was a Coachella thing, wasn't it? Like, I don't think that Dr. Dre and Snoop Dogg were involved in the Tupac well, hologram. Not, but they could have been. But, like, you know, they always. My problem is, like, you like these cameos. Like, I used to love uh, going to the movies to see, like, upcoming movies and, and watch the previews. We'd always get there right. early. Now everything leaks out online. It doesn't have the same feel to it. The same thing on Super Bowl Sunday. They show new movies coming out. But, like, three weeks beforehand, oh, now yeah. you get to see everything. 100% I used to all. love those cameos. Like, when, you know, if we hadn't known when Coldplay was, pl- uh, Coldplay was playing that um, Beyonce was coming out. Right. Or, you know, what have you. I, I always think that's kind of cool. I guess they could do the hologram to really tie this all together. But but they already have five performers involved. And they're going to yeah. add somebody else. <laughs> they already have five different acts on the... Uh, it's a lot, man. It's an what awful lot. Rick rolled us and it was just Rick Ashley playing the I would be show. so happy amazing. about that. Just dancing in the trench So, coat. so happy. All right, at JeremyCon1057 on Twitter is where you follow him, of course, for the Big Bag Morning Show every morning, 6 to 10 on 105.7 The Fan. Appreciate you, pal. We'll talk next Monday, all right? All right, man. Anytime. See you, buddy. Jeremy Kahn, 105.7 The Fan, checking in with us as he does every Monday here on GCR. All right. Uh, we'll, of course, talk more about Super Bowl betting on Simply the Bets this Wednesday at 11.30 a.m., uh, which is brought to you by Live Casino and Hotel. You can be there for the big game on Sunday, in-game betting, the opportunity for you to bet on all of these props 
Go right now, or email right now, events at sportssocialmd.com. They'll get you hooked up for whatever spots they have left for the big game on Sunday. Events at sportssocialmd.com. There is literally nowhere better that you could be to watch the big game than live casino and hotel in Hanover this Sunday. All right, as we wind down, a couple of things I didn't get to today. One, um, Dick Cass retiring. I think caught people by surprise. I, something that I had not been warned about by anybody within the Ravens. That I mean, based on his age, it's not all that surprising, but just not something that people had been talking about. Like, hey, you know, we're getting to that point. And clearly, internally, they knew because they had already hired their next team president. So they were not remotely surprised by it. Didn't seem like the type of thing that needed to be announced on a Friday. Everybody talks about the Friday afternoon news dump. Like, when something's controversial, that makes sense. This wasn't controversial. This is somebody who's up there in age choosing to retire from a day-to-day job. There's nothing controversial about that. I don't think hiring Sashi Brown is controversial. I think Ravens fans, again, because we're bored, wanted to spend a bunch of time tweeting about it. Most of them have no idea what the team president is responsible for. So... It's a little weird they chose to do it this way instead of, you know, if Dick Cass said, I don't want to do a press conference, I don't want any fanfare, that's certainly on him. But if you're the Ravens, I would would think that you'd want to do a press conference that involved a new team president. I would just think that maybe making introducing him would be something that you want to do. It's weird. That's all. It's just weird. It doesn't seem necessary. Um, I, I, I would echo everybody else's sentiments already about Dick Cass. Um you know, my interactions with him, overwhelmingly pleasant. And you've heard some more personal stories that people have shared that have worked for the Ravens and how much that he meant internally in that building. You know, he was also very involved with some decisions that maybe people like, didn't like about where training camp was. And, you know, he was involved in a lot of things on a day-to-day basis. So um, very trusted by Steve Bishotti to make non-football decisions. Not to say that he wasn't around when football decisions were being made, or a lot of times when something that's a, that is a non-football decision crosses paths with a football decision, right? Um, I, I tell you that if the Ravens were talking about Antonio Brown, that would be an area where, despite the fact that you could say it's a football decision, they would have leaned on Dick Cass there as well. What is your thought about something like this? Um, as much as we say the team president is for business decisions and non-football decisions, a lot of times those types of decisions end up crossing paths with each other, and you do. It's not to say that you make the final decision, but your input is sought. Ke- Kevin Byrne was regularly, uh, his input was regularly sought in those situations over the years. So um, it's, it's, a, it's a significant change for the Baltimore Ravens as an organization, Um you know, they clearly think quite highly of Sashi Brown, and and we'll see. I don't. It's very difficult to measure the job of a team president. This is not like a general manager or a coach where you have records and you can say, this is how we know this person has done a, a good job in their role. Uh, Steve Bishotti made a comment today that all three, the team president, the general manager, and the head coach will report to him. That's typically the way this works. They all have different roles. Um, one doesn't sort of... Res- the answer to the other, right? There's no, why would the head coach answer to the general manager? Why would the head coach answer to the team president? They all have different roles. Um, 
I would compare it to a company structure. You have the CEO of the company, then you have someone who's in charge of marketing, you have someone who's in charge of uh, human resources, you have someone who's in charge of sales, you have someone who's in Why would those people be answering to each other? Um, I think that's the only thing that you would assume that those people would do. They all have very important roles uh, and responsibilities, and they all are required to work together in order to make those decisions, and they believe they found someone that can do that. We'll see. That's all I can say. We'll see. I just don't know enough about I've talked to plenty of people. I had one conversation with Sashi Brown years ago. I've talked to plenty of people who think very highly of him. He's obviously an incredibly smart person, given his background. Um, people will point out the places he's been as not being very successful. He's also been in different roles in each spot. So, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how that plays out with Sashi Brown now as team president. And um, uh, Bruce Cunningham announced he was retiring over the weekend. Love, love Bruce. Um, I'm sure we'll chat with him again before it becomes official. I didn't want to do it today because we literally just had Bruce on two weeks ago. So it's a quick, quite the quick turnaround to have essentially the same conversation. But we'll have Bruce on. His uh, retirement becomes official apparently at the end of March. So somewhere around there. We'll put Bruce back on, have another chat with him. But um, happy for him. Uh, the same way that Scott got to announce his own retirement from Channel 2 all those years ago. Uh I certainly get why when you get to a certain age, you say to yourself, not sure I really want to work until midnight every night. Just not certain that's something that I want to do anymore with my life. And I have the opportunity. And as he laid out uh, when he announced it, he's the opportunity to still do some stuff with the TV uh, station as well as continue to do some radio for the fan and things along those lines. It's a, it's a good way to go about making a retirement. I, I know a lot of Bruce's family. I, his daughter and I were very close and, um, you know, he's got lots of grandkids and so uh, happy for Bruce that he's going to be able to spend time doing those things. He is very unique, um, among, uh, those of us in Baltimore. And, and sometimes we have, uh, made, made fun of him because of it. But as I told him, we always have done it out of love. Like it's out of love and respect, um, for Bruce Cunningham and, uh, someone who has been an institution here in Baltimore over the years. So I'm very happy for Bruce. All right, let's get a tidbit. Tidbit is brought to you by this print issue of Pressbox. Final week for you to get this one before the new print issue hits newsstands. You want to go pick it up right now. Justin Tucker, our Mo Gabba Sports Person of the Year, is on the cover of our Best Of issue. And again, final week for you to get it right now at your neighborhood Royal Farms or any of the hundreds of locations where you find Pressbox throughout the area. All right, as we noted last week, two quarterbacks will be making their first Super Bowl appearance this Sunday when Matthew Stafford and Joe Burrow face off. In the history of the Super Bowl, a quarterback has won MVP 31 times. Ten wide receivers, six running backs, four linebackers, two defensive linemen, Harvey Martin and Randy White, in the same Super Bowl, one safety, one fullback, and one kick returner make up the rest of the MVP winners. Linebacker Chuck Halley remains the only player to win MVP in a losing effort after picking off two passes and recovering a fumble in Dallas's 16-13 loss to the Baltimore Colts in Super Bowl V. Since 2000, 13 quarterbacks have won the Super Bowl MVP. Who are the eight non-quarterback MVPs? Julian Edelman. Julian Edelman in Super Bowl 53. He is the most recent one. Uh, Ray Lewis. Ray Lewis in Super Bowl 35. That was back for the 2000 season. Dexter Jackson, right? Was the next we one. figured it out Super last Bowl week. Super Bowl 37, that's correct. Oh, Heinz uh, Ward. Heinz Ward in Super Bowl 40. Who was the other Steelers receiver? It was Santonio? Santonio Holmes, Super Bowl 43. Crazy Ben Roethlisberger is a two-time yeah, Super Bowl champion. Didn't win MVP no either MVPs. time, yeah. 
Um, I mean, he played really well in the Cardinals Super Bowl. It's just that Antonio Holmes made that catch. And so, like, you know, kind of understanding as to why you give a little bit more of a nod to the wide receiver than the quarterback on that particular play. And even if Antonio Holmes doesn't make that catch, it's still probably James Harrison for that fumble recovery. Oh, right before the half. Yeah. That was, there's a great point. Um, uh, who, Bobby Wagner? Who was it for Seattle? Was it Wagner? No. Uh, it was a defensive player, though. It was a linebacker. It was. It was a linebacker. It was. I don't know. It was before KJ Wright. It was. Uh, uh, God, this is gonna drive me nuts. Hang on, I'm gonna come up with it. It was a. It was an inside linebacker. That I don't know. I I can't remember which position he played. I just know he's a linebacker. It was. It was Malcolm Smith because I was getting confused with Malcolm Butler. Malcolm Smith. Yeah, Super Ma- Bowl 48. yeah, 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 yeah. Malcolm Smith. Uh, you, you How have, many am I missing? You're missing two. You have one wide receiver, one linebacker. One wide receiver. Oh, Von Miller. Von, Von Miller, Miller in yeah. Super Bowl 50. And the other wide receiver. This was the one I thought you'd struggle with the most because I didn't remember this either. Trying to think of who I want. Who's who is the green? No, I was the Aaron Rodgers won that year. Now I'm trying to think of all the Patriots years. Right, I got Julian Edelman. Mm-hmm. I believe it was Brady four times, three times, three times. Mm-hmm. So there are two others. The Patriots no. won six Super Bowls. Mm-hmm. Edelman was MVP once. Oh, I'm sorry. You're right. It was, he was Brady was four times. So the other one was a Patriots wide receiver. Then it yes. was Dion Branch. It was exactly De- who it was. It was Deion against Seattle Branch in Super Bowl 39. That is correct. No, it wasn't. No, no, against no, Seattle. no, no. It wasn't against Seattle. It was. It was. It was uh, Super Bowl 39 it wasn't against Seattle. Who was that? Which Super Bowl was that? Because he had a monster game. Who he went to Seattle. That's why I think of Dion Branch was Seattle. Who was that? Was it against the Eagles? Might have been the Eagles. That might be right. That might have been against the Eagles. Because it was in 2005. It was, it was the, five years. Yeah, no, I think it was the Eagles. I think yeah. you're right. I think it was against the Eagles. All right, very good. Very good. Tubular is brought to you today by the CIAA tournament, which is coming to Baltimore. Looking forward to it. It's going to be a, an, an incredible event for the entire city, and it's going to do so much for the region. And if you still don't know about the CIAA tournament, um, it's back after being virtual a year ago and headed to Charm City February 22nd to 26th, the first new location for the event since 2005, and going to be thousands upon thousands of fans, alumni, and players from um, all sorts of different uh, historically black colleges and universities. It's going to be a weekend of reunions, basketball, and celebrating culture, uh, not only sports-focused but community-focused along with the games. There's a multitude of meaningful off-the-court educational programming for the community and student-athletes planned around topics like wellness, mental health, women in sports, etc. The CIA is an event that has become a celebration of family, culture, and accomplishments that uplift and strengthen the African-American community. And tickets are still available for the CIA tournament. Go right now to the, spell it out, theciaa.com or ciaatournament.org. ciaatournament.org right now in order to get your tickets for the CIAA. Here's what's coming up tonight. Totally tubular. Only one area hoops team in action. Navy 
is on uh, TV tonight uh, against CBS Sports Network, coming off that uh, last-second win over Loyola on Saturday. They host Lafayette tonight at 7. The rest of the college basketball you can find at glennclarkradio.com. NBC Sports Washington for Heat Wizards at 7. NBA TV for Suns Bulls at 8. Uh, Olympics on NBC at 8 and USA at 8.15. On, the Olympics coverage on the USA Network includes the big USA-Canada women's hockey matchup. That's night 11-10, final matchup of the preliminary round. The U.S. women have been rolling. I turned off the game on yesterday morning because it was 7 nothing early in the second period against Switzerland. They have been doing work. But this is the big one tonight at 11-10 between the U.S. and Canada. And then uh, on tomorrow morning, or overnight tonight, they will the coverage will include the luge, and that includes Baltimore native Summer Britcher. You know, I learned in the Baltimore Sun today that one of the Jamaican bobsled uh, uh, team is from Morgan State. It was a Morgan State alum. Did not know cool that. Runnings. So that's cool. Um, also, uh, Super Bowl opening night tonight. It's the media day thing that's not really anymore because it's virtual. That's at 8 o'clock on ESPN2 and the Sci-Fi Network for WWE Monday Night Raw at 8 because the Olympics are on USA. Non-sports. Not a lot. Uh, Keegan-Michael Key is going to be and Jennifer Coolidge are going to be on Jimmy Kimmel on ABC at 11.35. You have 911 Lone Star on Fox at 8 o'clock and The Cleaning Lady at 9. Uh, and on TBS at 10 o'clock, you have American Dad on HBO Episode 3 of The Gilded Age at 9 o'clock. All right. Very good. Thanks today to uh, Rocky Boyman out in Cincinnati. Thanks also to Jeremy Kahn. As well as to Brendan Quinn from The Athletic. We'll get all that up in the greatest hits section of the Archives. tab at glennclarkradio.com. Uh, you guys seem to enjoy this the last time. So when we found out that the list of Rock and Roll Hall of Fame uh, candidates uh, came out last week, uh, got together with my buddy Spiro Marikas, the play-by-play voice at Towson, and he's going to come in again tomorrow morning at 11 a.m. And we're going to have a healthy debate about this year's Rock and Roll Hall of Fame candidates. Looking forward to that. Also, Patrick Stevens joins us, as he does every Tuesday. And DeMarco Farr is going to do 11.45 tomorrow. Uh, not going to work. We will work around that. Oh, we okay. got a guest in studio in the 11 a.m. hour tomorrow. Just not, not, but we'll talk about it. It's fine. Okay. You and okay. I will figure that out. All right. Um, so thanks today to everybody at Pressbox, all of our great sponsors and partners, including Glory Days Grill, Royal Farms, CIAA Tournament, Great Eights Memorabilia, Live Casino Hotel, Underdog Fantasy Football, Blue Line Canine, your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. Thanks to Paul Valley. Follow him on Twitter at Paul Valley the Third. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Glenn Clark Radio. Have a great Monday evening. Go Navy Hoops. Go USA Women's Hockey. Duke sucks. Ohio State sucks too. <laughs>